the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 277 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Hey, hey, I think we're live finally. Apologies on that. This is the Protect Your Neck podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tom, analyst who's fine. Analysts you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, recording this Thursday night at the now usual time, I guess you could say, uh, you know, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific, over on my YouTube channel, Daniel Tom MMA, thank you for liking already, um, you know, feel free to like again, even though I'm late, I'd appreciate it, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, I'll get to the chat as I can. As you see, I've got an esteemed guest with me, uh, a, a guy I've been trying to get on for, you know, for a minute. So um, I got to, uh, sorry, I would have blasted my ear right now, but I got to introduce my guy, Luke Lamp, at SWR underscore betting, if you want to find him on Twitter. That's where I found him. I actually, I actually originally found him on my guy, uh, Clint McLean, Die Hard MMA's podcast. Um, he was killing it over there. I was like, oh, this is this seems like a really cool guy. He also sounds like he really knows his stuff. Uh, sure enough, he's got a he's got a winning record over there. Had a good 2021. Uh, is doing great so far. Um, sorry for my long-winded intro. Luke, take the steering wheel. Say what's up, man. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm stoked to be on the show. I've been following you for a while. Uh, OG listener of the Protecting Neck podcast, so to oh, so to be on here uh, is, is definitely an honor for sure. You're definitely one of the guys in the space that I've followed and and definitely highly respect. So um, yeah, like I said, dude, it's an, it's it's an honor to be on and uh, and break down these fights with you, bro. Awesome, man. Well, uh, the chat's pretty active already. I see my guy Mark Fellows, Australia in the house, uh, Chronic Combat Conversations. Uh, you know I love those guys. Uh, shout out to Tyler and Greg. Um, yeah, feel free to plug away, and we will uh, we'll get to you as we can. We're going to do a recap. going to skip the Amazon reads, but again, if you want to you know, support the show for free while supporting yourself, um, if you use Amazon or like on it, go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com and... Uh, Pretty much on the right side of the, you might toggle to the right if you're on the mobile. And um, yeah, you can click through those links at one extra click, no extra cost. You can uh, purchase whatever you need, and a small percentage of whatever you purchase will be kicked back to this year's show. If it's Amazon, it'll read me the items, of course. Uh, it won't tell me who you are, so feel free to buy anything uh, anything you want, as deviant as you want on there. Go at it. Um, it supports the show or a PayPal donation. Uh, secure link is there also at Dan Tom MMA you can see the name tags where you can find us on Twitter below if you're watching on the YouTube channel again Daniel Tom MMA um, Luke you got the club and sub podcast man uh, it's a I was telling you it's on the pantheon of really good podcast names so I wanted to give that a shout and you know your patreon speaking of your address where you could find you on Twitter at SWR underscore betting um, to support your work uh, which you know we'll show you why he was, he, I brought him on the on the show for a reason, folks. But you can check out his Patreon, Patreon.com. Uh, put the slash in there, and 
SWR underscore betting. Did I get that right, Luke? Uh, just SWR betting, no underscore. SWR, no underscore for the Patreon. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, all right. Uh, Luke, man, I want to start off the show. Do you mind doing a recap with me? Uh, you had a pretty good good, good week last week, so I'm, I'm guessing is, is you don't mind sit, sit, sitting and cracking wise, do you? <laughs> no, that, that's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to talk through a winning week, but even a losing week, you know, ups and downs in this game. Got to be transparent when I lose. Well, feel free to shovel, uh, you know, sh- shovel criticism on this side as it comes, because I got like reverse sweep last week. But like you said, man, transparency. I gotta, you know, I recap my, uh, my my losses and bad weeks. There's been a lot of them, so I've had a lot of practice at this point. But nothing's gonna change. We're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna continue uh, before the breakdown just to do a quick recap. And everything, of course, will be from top to bottom. Check the timestamps below. Um, if you're watching this post, I'll add those in after. Of course, we're live right now, but you know, for audio listeners, shouts for the five star ratings and reviews. By the way, on Apple Podcasts, that stuff really helps. Uh, so, uh, mucho appreciated. All right, I tweeted out uh, and got some of the tech stuff out of the way, which is why um, I sounded disjointed. Again, A plus podcast host over here. So uh, I'm gonna get the chat pulled up and um, and the results pulled up. I should say probably more importantly. And we'll get going. I just wanted to say hi to the people that are in the chat. Again, I saw my guy, uh, Mark Fellow. Shouts to him, man. Just, just you know, if you're friends with Mark, uh, just, just you know, make sure you, you you shoot some love my guy's way. I don't want to put his business out there, but I just will say he's just one of the fucking coolest fucking dudes uh, in the MMA community. You know, I always heard him getting shouted out in OG podcasts like the MMA Roadshow. Shout out to my guys John and Kenny. And uh, Mark Fellows is just like you want to talk about support and stuff and and showing those things like. This dude supports all the podcasts out there. He really votes with his clicks and dollars, you know, the best way you can vote this day and age, probably. And uh, I just really wanted to give him a shout-out. He says, uh, kick the tires, light the fires, let's go. That's right, baby. That's the attitude I like to see. Can't wait for this one from Chronic Combat Conversations. Awesome. Good to see that there. Uh, feel free to hop in the chat, guys, as we get going here. And, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, have ourselves, uh, we'll have ourselves a good time. Um, so... As I pull up uh, results here, uh, pick-wise, I think I, I, I went even. I, I got my plays uh, recapped here, and I didn't quite do the uh, do the pick. So let's just go from top to bottom. It was, of course, um, a very short fight between Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Aspinall and Curtis Razor Blades, the Mortal Kombat theme man himself. Um, I was on Tom Aspinall here. Well, he was my pick, and then I also sprinkled a little bit on the sub and a little bit on the uh, method props in a house. Nothing too big, but... Uh, I gotta stop betting on these guys in the main event because they keep getting injured. So it seems um, Curtis Blades, of course, uh, defeats him by TKO injury. Um, not much, too much to say here, uh, obviously, because not much of a fight happened. Um, anything to add? Did you have a Did you have a, a, a pick or any strong opinions going into that one? I know it's heavyweight MMA, but any any any, uh, any thoughts on that, Luke? Yeah, I didn't have any money line bets. Um... Honestly, I thought there was valid arguments to really bet both guys, to be completely honest. Um, you could you could have made really substantial arguments as to why either were value. Um, what I ended up doing, I just actually had the fight doesn't go the distance in a parlay at minus 280. Um, I mean, it was an injury, so it cashed, but so I, I did not think that one was getting out of three rounds most likely, though. Nice. I yeah. I'm glad that I, I, I was talking to uh, my buddy. Shout, shout out to uh, we got some MMA analysis alum in the chat already. Brad Brad Tastuk, He wants the ovarian analysis already. It's the new hog analysis according to him. Um, but uh, but my guy uh, Wes Colvin from that podcast. He was uh, we were talking. I was just like, all right. Hopefully one of us can can 
could cash out of here. So I'm glad uh, friends in the community were able to cash. But uh, yeah, not 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 your boy here. Uh, that reminded me when you said that though. Um, and my guy, I think it was my guy Brad actually telling me. I forget. He, he said he asked uh, Brad. You can say in the chat if you don't mind me. Uh, you know, talking shop here. But I think you accidentally bet something that cashed the other week. And it was funny because uh, I joke about betting on the injured fighters, um, or you know, uh, in, injured fighters. But I think the week before that was RDA Fiziev, and of course I, I had RDA in that right, and then I sprinkled like rounds three, four, and five. But it was funny because I accidentally almost bet um, Fiziev round five knockout, um, and I, I got really close to betting that. And I'm like, if I would have accidentally bet that, even for my low amount, that actually would have like bailed my whole night out. But of course, again, <laughs> injuries accidents, flukes, I'm telling you, Luke, um, you name it, the, the, the challenge from last week's podcast, feel free to go in the chat and name any kind of weird decision, robbery or quotes, whatever you want. I, I'll tell you what side I'm on. And it's like an experiment experiment. Cause I feel like I'm like 90, at least 90, probably more 99%. I, I'm on the wrong side of those, man. It's a weird, it's a weird thing we got going on, but I, I just remembered that I wanted to share from last week. Um, so yeah, no accidental bets this week, folks. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what I got. Um, hold on. We got, uh, who else we got in the chat? We got, uh, Robopolis Rosen. Hello, Dan. Do you think Nunez Pena has the same hype as Zhang Joanna too? Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of close, right? I guess so they're, they're, they're probably close. I mean, I, I don't feel too much of a particular way anyways. What's up, Nigel? Morning, boys. Uh, and then my man Brad to follow up on that thought, folks. He said, "Oh yeah, I had Yair by uh, accident in an eight legger <laughs> that would have hit on a card. Unfortunately, I realized my mistake and cashed it out." Well, there you go, man. Uh, Brad's a good live better too. I don't know if you do much of the live betting, Luke, but uh, I know a lot of our, our community in our chat likes the live bets. So if you have any shouts for those, feel free. We're gonna push on to the co-main event of UFC London to get this recap done, and you know to get to the. Uh, uh, ovarian analysis. I know what everybody's here for. Uh, we got Jack Hermanson defeating Chris Curtis via unanimous decision. Uh, gotta take my L here. Of course, um, I had Curtis and, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good fight by him, man. He, uh, he didn't cut off the cage. It was like simple distance and kicking and, you know, it's definitely frustrating for Curtis, frustrating for the fans. But as somebody who likes Curtis, bet Curtis, uh, I'm an extreme couture guy. You know, I, I'm not mad at Hermanson, man. You know, that was pretty much the fight he kind of had to fight if you think about it to win um again you know i, I always admit my extreme couture bias I, I i always have and i still probably pick against them probably like half the time uh so i i again uh for people anybody that w wants to bark up that tree i always find that funny because i i i'm one of the better people in, in this space about stating my biases stating it consistently and not only do i train to pull that card but i actually train with these people that i pick against you know um so uh so you know uh Again, it's all it's it's all it's all fair game there. It's all love and war. Uh, and to shout my guy that I shouted earlier, John Morgan, he always said this really good rule. I think for anybody looking to cover the sport from the media perspective, I guess um, is saying like, don't say things you wouldn't say to the person, you know, to their face. And I'm like, wow, that's a that's a really that's a really good one. And uh, you know what, you know, uh, anything I would say, you know, I feel like Chris Curtis or Eric, you know, have, have already kind of said it themselves as far as like. You know the public statements as far as like yeah was you know a bad uh a bad uh you know a bad execution uh bad or lack of adjustments so forth so want to come clean there uh that definitely uh that definitely sucked but man i'm not hating on uh jack hermanson he seems like such a nice guy too i love jack hermanson any thoughts on that fight luke did you have uh, any any strong thoughts going in thoughts after 
Um, I did not have any bets. I did come close to betting Hermanson, but I decided to um, pass. I know a lot of people um, kind of in my inner circle were on that Hermanson side. Nice. And I think it did just turn out to be, you know, kind of one of those buy low spots on Jack with like the, the win streak of Curtis and then getting that fight at pick. So um, prop, props to people who, who jumped on Hermanson there. I think that was a great play. Not not shitting on you for betting Curtis or anything. Right, no, but no, totally. I think, like, totally. I think, I think spot-wise, like if you look at it hindsight, to get Hermanson at a pick there was even, you know, I think he was even a dog at, at, at points too as well. So right. I think that was an excellent bet. Yeah, no, I don't hate. I definitely don't hate the plus money. Um, for me, it was more just the stylistic analysis read, which again um, didn't 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 happen. And uh, you know, a lot of it was hindsight. Both the analysis on Curtis and you know, we didn't really get to see a matchup forced in the big octagon like this um, at the higher levels, right? But that kind of footwork and stuff really got exposed. A, and then you know, B on the hindsight stuff too, like. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to be too hindsighty, but I, I agree with what you said actually. And props to the people who bet Hermanson on that. But yeah, like hindsight, that's what I was gonna say. Was it, it, it is kind of a biter because I know there was a lot of hype on Curtis, and again, it wasn't so much any of the hype or the extreme couture. I, I picked against this guy half the time, and this is while he was trading at my gym. So again, anybody that wants to throw that bias could, could throw that out of there. I I picked against this guy because I don't know how serious this run is at middleweight. Um, taking these fights on short notice can be good because he was getting a similar stylistic read with with Jack kind of seemed to be, even though he didn't fight that way. Um, but I, I think that if we we're all being critical, you know, to your point, yeah, I think this was this was coming. So you got a nice buy low spot, and and congrats to any Hermanson betters on that side. And again, Jack's just a super super nice dude. How can you not like dislike that dude? Um, someone says, RJ Berto, why do you think Chris Curtis could not cut the cage down? Where was the lateral footwork? Yeah, I, I, I bet they're going to be going and, and working that. Um, that definitely got highlighted and exposed. So that's definitely the thing for uh, for him to work. Hopefully take some time regardless of what division he competes in and address those regardless. That's that's more the main thing to focus on. I think we can all agree on that. Patty Pimblet, Patty the White Natty, as I call him. Sorry, you're going to be subject to my my uh, my trash talking rant sometimes here, Luke. Uh, defeated Jordan Levitt via submission, rear naked choke. Um, this didn't surprise me. I picked Patty. I think I technically picked him by decision, to be fair. But uh, I, I thought that you know him getting at Jordan Levin out of there wasn't wasn't too crazy either. Um, I didn't have any action on on this fight. Did you, Luke? I did not. I was kind of with you as well. I picked Patty by decision, and if I was gonna bet it, I came close. I did not. Uh, I was looking to bet the fight goes the distance at like plus two hundred or something, but I ended up staying off. So uh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I I was tempted to be like a contrarian and like do some kind of over or the distance angle, and I, I'm glad I stayed off too. Um, and um, and yeah, I just want. I wrote a note that says Patty Gay Club, and follow me here, okay, folks. I know. I haven't had, you know, I, actually I've said a lot of nice things about Patty, you know, the, the, the Sakuraba shorts, the catch wrestling likes, uh, the getting big between camps, like these are all very endearing things for me, um, you know, I, uh, but uh, it, it was funny, uh, when, he's, when he was walking out, um, I, want, I meant to say this is last time, and I mean this in the most positive way possible, like I mean this in a genuinely positive, awesome this is an LGBTQ friendly space, folks. But uh, I will say, is Patty's walkout not like the most gayest thing in the world? And I mean that in like a good way, not like a, a modern <laughs> warfare two way, like Patty would say, or a lot of people use 
things when they're talking <laughs> about that. I'm saying it like in an awesome way. Like, like listen to his music. Like, uh, reminds me of uh, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. When maybe this scene doesn't age too well now, the spirit of it, but uh, the kind of visual where he's you know he's tricking the therapist uh, in, in, into thinking you know he's gay, and he's like you know sometimes you just hear the music, you start dancing the ba 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 ba, and then the therapist is like yeah yeah tell me more, and uh, I. I, I Go back, everybody. Trust me. Go back, whether it's on ESPN Plus, whether you whether you can catch the full walkout. Like, listen to the song that's playing and Patty walking out. Like, tell me you can't picture him being the king, or maybe to use the proper parlance, or maybe dated seventies parlance. The queen, you know, he's like the head queen. You know, he's like he's walking out, sweating. Everybody's raving and sweating, having a good time. You know, the guy who randomly kissed B.J. Penn on his way out to fight George St. Pierre at one ninety four. He randomly shows up again and Frenches Patty. Like, tell me that wouldn't be perfect. Tell me that. That wouldn't fit and I think it's fucking awesome you know I, I almost wish Patty was gay I think that might you know maybe maybe as that would show you know he, he has the white nationalist talking points but there's not all hate in his heart there's some love there uh, sorry, <laughs> I had to go on that tan. Isn't uh, you don't have to you don't have to incriminate yourself as I am here, Luke. But uh, I had to get that thought off my chest. I mean, in the positive way, gayest walkout ever. Love it. <laughs> I honestly, I, I I enjoy the guy though. Um, from one perspective, like I, sure. I think it's fun. Everyone loves him. Um, yeah, the the walkouts are electric. People go crazy. Um, I do think he's going to get exposed very yes, shortly. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's part of the reason why I'm not like, well, it's not healthy to be a hater or vitriolic or any of those descriptors, granted. But part of the reason why I'm not, air quotes, hating on, uh, uh, hating on him, or I don't think I am coming off as hating, at least, um, is because, yeah, he's a fun action fighter, man. And I feel like I give that credit where it's deserved. But also, like you said, Luke, he is due to be exposed. And yes, I do appreciate his message post-fight. But before, you know, all my media colleagues and the like start fawning, oh, Pat, he's so wholesome, and, and really riding that wholesome train, uh, it, it is kind of ironic. And shouts to my guy Eddie Marcato and Zane Simon over there, the sixth-round uh, recap show. Eddie was saying, he's like, it's kind of ironic, a guy, you know, uh, he just gets done teabagging a dude and humiliating him and then just wants to, you know, make sure men can talk about their feelings. Like, I hope that go he was like, he was like, I hope that goes for Jordan Levitt because he's going to need to talk about some shit after what you just did to him on, <laughs> on TV there. You know, it reminded me of Luke. It reminded me of uh, Zach from Wedding Crashers. Uh, it, you know, uh, what, what, what's that actor's name? Uh, Bradley Cooper, right? Like, it, remi it reminded me of, of him. Like, this this clearly douchey character, but he does good good he, good image skin surface level things but people can't see through it and they're like oh look at look at Bradley you know look at Saki he's doing an animal conservation thing da 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 and then Vince Vaughn's like doesn't that mean you just go around killing animals and then <laughs> Saki gets all defensive like listen they're killing the fucking population man <laughs> like that's what I feel like with that whole mental health thing like like, like I feel like I'm Vince Vaughn going like but isn't this the guy that talks white nationalist talking points and just teabagged his opponent alright I'm just saying I'm just saying okay mental health you know, I mean, it's not like guys who, you know, actually have been advocating this for multiple levels on ESPN, Fox for years, who have been survivors of drug abuse, sexual abuse, who I'm talking about. I don't know. Maybe the guy Patty's been ducking in Jared Gordon. So all I ask my media members, if you want to give Patty credit, fine, but keep that same energy. We just retweeted a thing from Phil Davis. Um, Angela Hill and some other black MMA athletes about a mental health teleconferencing they were doing. I retweeted that because you know what? There are plenty of fighters preaching what Patty preached. So let's, we'll give him credit. I'll give him credit. I've been giving him credit where it's due, but let's not pretend this is some fucking saint. <laughs>
okay? That that's that's oh wow, it's fine. You know, it, it's finally cool to talk about mental health because uh, I've been preaching. You know, and I know I'm a nobody, but I'm so that's why I'm pointing to like people who are actually fighters. Um, but uh, there are plenty of people um, on the platform you guys enjoy on this platform of this podcast um, who have been preaching this shit for years. So let's not pretend that it's that it's some new thing. Sorry, I had to get that rant off my chest. It's all good, dude. Um, but uh, yes, he is, a, he is an incredibly fun action fighter, man. And uh, I'm sure they'll match him up as such. Nikita Kry- Krylov defeated Alexander Gustafson via KO punches. This was sad. I, I picked Krylov to win. Um, I picked it to be sad. I didn't bet it. I, I was still really sad after this, though. Uh, any strong opinions going in, going out, Luke? My thing was I, I just honestly didn't know what version of Gustafson was, was going to show up, and I wasn't particularly optimistic it was going to be a great one. Um, it was just one of those weird spots where, like, stylistically, like, you give me, like, Gustafson from five to six years ago, I mean, he mops the floor with Krylov, I, I think, pretty cleanly. Um, but, you know, every dog has his day, uh, unfortunately. And, yeah, he goes out there and gets starched in the first round. It's a little... A little, a little sad, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree, definitely. Um, Molly McCann defeated Hannah Goldie. This wasn't sad. This was probably one of the more highlights, uh, even though it was a late <laughs> stoppage. I will say, hopefully, Hannah's okay. And you know, it was a late stoppage because even like, because you know, like Molly is answering for Patty on all the press things, and Patty was answering for kind of Molly. And when Patty was answering for Molly on the post fight, even even fucking Patty Pimblet was like, oh fucking. It was a fucking late stop, and she didn't need to fucking take that. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, that that, that she, uh, yeah, that symp- sympathy. What well, you're right, that sympathy's in the correct place, Patty. Uh, but uh, but no, uh, props to Molly. Uh, I know my guy Brad Tashtek has some has some very funny things to say about her. But I I am a, I am a fan of the sandwich artist, uh, fellow sandwich artist, I should say, former sandwich artist, uh, in Molly McCann, Meatball Molly. Um, She's another action fighter. I don't think she's, you know, uh, easy on the title aspects. Again, another another fade plan, as the kids say. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm not hating at all. I picked her to win here, and uh, good on her. Any 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 strong feelings going in or out of this one, Luke? Yeah, I think she came in there, did what she needed to do. Um, I didn't necessarily predict a KO. I did think it was kind of sneaky, though, even pre-fight, just with it being in London, people going nuts. Yeah. You know you know, she's going to go out there and get after the chick. Um, so I wasn't, like, crazy. I was probably more shocked that she landed another spinning elbow again. <laughs> that yeah. Was what was more shocking. But I guess I'm kind of with you, too, where I think it's going to be another scenario, even similar to Patty, where she is going to be heavily favored or even moderately favored over someone she should not be um and i think it's just on us as gamblers to find when that spot is because there is going to become a a very good fade molly mccann spot in the near future well said man that's why that's why i brought you on here you got that gambler's perspective you're keeping us on target sir and last of the main card was vulcan oozed me or defeated paul craig Uh, i know you cashed on this one so we'll get to your victory lap here in a second i just got to eat my crow um, I was on Paul Craig here, and uh, man, no, nothing crazy, you know, no, no complaints, you know, as as a Paul Craig better, as a wrong side guy, um, he did all I could ask for. He was going for it, you know. Could critique the double legs on finishing, but at the same time, I, I you know, I, I, I do agree that is the harder ones to get on Ozdemir, and he looked like he was losing energy, steam too. 
So maybe that was the decision. So I'm not going to critique him too hard. He fought for my money. I can't complain. And Uzdemir did his thing, man. Uh, I think he might have got, sure what the opener was, but I think you might have got a discount like similar to Hermanson backers on Ozdemir, no? Yeah, I didn't get like the best of the line. I think probably the best or the lowest Ozdemir got was probably like minus 140 or so. And I got one minus 156. But yeah, that's kind of how I looked at it. To me, it was more of a a buy low spot on Ozdemir with the um despite it being him being you know slightly favored um obviously just with the run and ascension of Craig I just thought it was a pretty bad stylistic matchup uh for him and you were you know this was the first technically you know elite level fighter you know outside of Uncle Live earlier on that that he's fought that I thought we were getting a fair price for that was a good style matchup for him so I let that one fly for actually two and a half two and a half units. Damn, nice. Good spot, man. Yeah, I was on the opposite, kind of back with Curtis, too. I was more just riding the uh, the proverbial trains, if you will, but those came to a close. I'm going to do a cleanup on the comments before we clean up the rest of this recap and get on to UFC 277. Feel free to hit the like button, subscribe. Follow us on uh, Twitter, too, as well. I know we're both mainly active on there. I'm, I'm just speaking for Luke. I don't know. Maybe he's got, like, a whole network on Instagram that I don't know. Sh shout whatever you want. Um... But uh, let's see here. Uh, ba -da -ba -ba, ba -da -ba -ba. Uh, we got Spart Helder. Do you think that UFC London was a major letdown from a fan's perspective? I'd say so. I wasn't there in attendance, and we're not done recapping it. But, yeah, kind of uh, uh, bearing the lead, if you will. Yeah, it was kind of a letdown in multiple ways. Obviously, for me, I got reverse sweep, but that's just my own personal bias. What's your answer to that, Luke? Yeah, I don't think it was, like, a great card overall, to be honest. I mean, it's always fun and fun in London then obviously with the the uh, injury in the main event getting that two weeks in a row just yeah. you know sucks obviously it's kind of your climax so I don't know I thought the card was kind of lackluster personally same here between the, the way the card was going and the way my betting is going like I, I could have actually have won a bet last Saturday and I wouldn't have noticed so I'm like what oh oh yeah <laughs> okay all right where, where are we what's going on uh Positivity. Speaking of positivity, my guy Alvin Yakatori. Hello, Mr. Tom and Mr. Lamp. I hope you gentlemen enjoyed UFC London. We are truly fortunate to have UFC events every week with fighters doing their best every fight. From an entertainment perspective, absolutely. You know, again, weird personal bias here that I don't expect everybody to get. Much, you know, and I'm a smart of a small minority, but someone who works and grind these for years, uh, I could use a little break, but no, you're right. We should be very, uh, you know, grateful from an entertainment perspective. You fans have never had it better. Let me tell you, from a guy who's who's been around. All right, Jimmy Kudo. Hi, Dan. One of the best analysts out there, too. Kind uh, who train and watch film. Much respect, brother. Much respect to you. Thank you for being here, Jimmy Kudo. Uh, Gaia Nightlord. Uh, were you sad for Jordan? He seems like an interesting fellow. He seems like he's self-aware, uh, not the Joshua Fabia type. Jordan Levitt, I assume. Uh, yeah, Jordan Levitt's a local boy, man. Um, you know, I, I felt for him, I guess, but, you know, he seemed to take it in stride. He still has a, a winning record. Um, and, uh, you know, he, 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 got some, he got some pub, and I think he took it well, you know, and, uh, and Patty gave him love after, too, so um, I don't think it's a devastating loss or anything like that. Um, Lightmare Sworn. Technical question. How hard is it to trap the hand like Patty did with the body triangle? Are you certain to do that? You know, I almost want to try that that, that way he was uh, trapping with the body triangle. Um, I didn't see how he fed it, but I actually, what I actually liked that Patty did was a front headlock knees that he used to kind of offset, defend the takedown, and get to that angle to create the scramble to get to the back. That, to me, was super cool. I kind of lost 
thread of the detail, I'm sure I'll go back uh, again. But yeah, arm trap systems. Um, my guy Rich Castro has, has been working one with me, a one-arm trap system that's great with gi, no gi. Uh, you can even do it with MMA. I'm, I'm trying to get trying to get that back into practice now as we speak. But yeah, I love the arm trapping stuff. Uh, Ricky Omang, Patty the Batty takes on a different meaning now. Hey, eh? um, all right. Uh, we'll get to the rest. Uh, we'll get to the rest next. We just want to clean up this recap here. Little Ryan defeated Mason Jones. Parlay Buster. I did not do any parlays, and I'm glad I didn't. And I'm not saying that in hindsight because I picked Mason Jones, and I thought he would have been maybe the safest parlay piece if you were going to go do that off of. Again, I wasn't investing or really even researching the chalk. So forgive me if that opinion sounds off to you, but at a face value, he seemed like he would be a parlay thing. I I, I know I, I had a lot of a lot of friends on him, so not trying to bring up a, not trying to be hindsight here because I picked him. But uh, any thoughts going in or going out of this one, Luke? Um, yeah, I think you broke it down pretty well. Parlay Buster. Um, he was probably a guy I would have used if I was going to um use one. So. I just thought it was a horrible stylistic matchup for Klein going in. I thought Mason Jones was like the perfect kryptonite to actually beat him. Yeah. Obviously, you, you were paying a significant premium to do so. This, I just wasn't in love with the line. Uh, I didn't think you were getting really much of an edge there. So that in turn did save me. But um, yeah, it's actually a fight I'm going to need to go back and watch because I think I missed most of it to be honest yeah, i hear you and and this was kind of the case i was kind of half watching um with a lot of these we had mark dia casey defeated demir hadzovich um he came through as far as chalk goes i picked him no big surprise a uh, tough match for demir like i thought it would i'm a hadzo guy so I, I it sucks to see that but it's also what i expected your thoughts yeah no no uh no shocks there. D1 Jukasi all day. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's still shocking the commentators, apparently. Like, I guess they never watched any of his UFC fights, relevant or early, or any of his <laughs> regional fights, because it's this is what he, he, he has in his back pocket always. Um, will it work? That depends, but it's not like he doesn't go to it. Nathaniel Wood defeated Charles... Cue the Dom Cruz, so you didn't watch the tape. Shout out to my guy, Paul Shag. Nathaniel Wood defeated Charles Rosa. Again, I'm a big Charles Rosa guy, but... Similar problems to Demir, even though he has the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt to his name. Um, and uh, the speed advantage uh, worked well. So what I saw didn't surprise me, unfortunately, for Rosa. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is one I ponied up actually five units on. I threw five units on wood at Ooh. minus 450. Um, I don't lay that heavy juice very often, but this was a spot that I just felt like Nathaniel Wood should have been like minus 1,000 in pretty bad stylistic matchup for Rosa, despite him going up. In weight, just a much better boxer, much faster, has the defensive grappling capabilities to not get subbed, has the potential offensive wrestling capabilities to win minutes. Uh, I thought Rosa was just kind of sub or bust in that spot. Oof. I I don't blame you. I'm I'm jealous. In fact, it's my 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 bankroll is so shit right now. Um, I I can't take those shots that uh that I like to. And it's I think if, if I want, I'm, as you're saying that I'm wondering maybe that's what's pushing me toward these higher numbers and big numbers and stuff as I try to take smaller shots. Uh, uh, to build back up, but um, but yeah, no, I don't blame that at all. Uh, that exposure, and I'm, I'm a Rosa guy. I'm a fan, but I pick Wood. Jonathan Pierce defeated Makwan Amirkhani. Uh, I took a dog shot here. You know, we, we knew what we were risking if we didn't. Makwan went for it. He had his chances. And um, again, man, I can't I can't be mad. Uh, I can't be mad at it, even though I was on the wrong side. Uh, the, the dog fought for my money, but yeah, you know, this was Pierce all day here. Any any thoughts on this one going in or coming out? 
Yeah, I thought it was kind of like more of like a Mach 1, round 1, or bust type scenario going mm -hmm. into it, which is why I didn't necessarily hate people playing Mach 1 necessarily, but I probably would have looked more like inside the distance sub, sub 1, because yeah. I just thought that was the majority of what his, his win equity was, and then I honestly the fight kind of played out how I thought it was going to. I didn't lay it with Pierce because I thought he was going to get put in some deep shit in that first round, and I wasn't necessarily yeah. convinced he would survive and you know he was you know pretty chalky around minus 200 so i passed it i tried to live bet pierce after um the first round but legitimately those lines just went whoosh, every single person their mom was live betting pierce so i could not um i could not get a i could not get a bet in at that point unfortunately yeah and something still i know i'm wrong i was wrong on this so uh, you know who am i to talk now but something still kind of scratches me about pierce that you know doesn't i don't trust but at the same time he does have excellent skills for his body type and what he wants to do. If he finds someone that can actually keep it standing, then we're going to see some stuff. Uh, but people always get mad when I say this, so I had to throw the caveat. I'm saying first that he has skill, but yeah, he definitely, and it's impressive. I'm not being negative. People always get mad, but he is a long boy and a size bully because he's just so well built and he knows how to use it. I'm saying that as a positive, but people always get mad because, I don't know, I guess tall athletic people are discriminated, uh, discriminated against so much across so many... You know, so many phases of life, you know, um, people get really offended. Like, I think when I, when I called, what's his name, uh, Saryuki and chopped him up, uh, Yoel Alvarez, a size bully, like, I had a bunch of people getting mad at me, like, easy, easy, what the guy, <laughs> guy's 6'3 at lightweight, what do you want me to say? Uh, but uh, but anyways, um, but yeah, props to Pierce, man, he actually shows shows a good skill as far as the grappling with his style, nightmare, nightmare. Um Mohamed Makhayev defeated Charles Johnson. Not much to say here. Pretty boring fight. Picked Makhayev. Any thoughts on this one, Luke? Yeah, I actually cashed on the over two and a half at plus nice. 110. Um, I came very close to betting Charles Johnson and honestly probably would have if I didn't oversleep on Saturday. <laughs> I probably would have ended up pulling the trigger on it. But um, yeah, I think that's ultimately what it just came down to is the grinding wrestling. But I did think Charles Johnson was proven, established enough, tough enough. Um, at least had enough cardio to not get, uh, you know, dinged or, or submitted. So I thought the the plus money there was was nice. Yeah, no, I don't blame anybody that took a poke as far as just the inflation. So I'm definitely not going to hindsight hate or was hating before. But, yeah, no, good on the over. Um, probably the only way to make that fight somewhat entertaining. <laughs> Jai Herbert defeated Kyle Nelson. Uh, kind of a snoozer. Um, I know a, 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 a bunch of people had the – doesn't and my heart's go out to you by the way if you had the doesn't go the distance for this fight I didn't play anything but again I picked Herbert and uh, I did not hate anybody taking that angle it just it just did, didn't happen any thoughts on this one Luke yeah that, that I had the doesn't go the distance as the second leg of my blades and Aspinall fight doesn't go the distance oh, parlay so oh man that was the um that was the 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 one apple pie shitter of, of the card for me just a weird fight um both yeah. guys fought very uncharacteristic not making excuses but i mean if you just go back and watch both guys careers i saw two completely different fighters you had herbert out here wrestling being conservative i thought he fought a smart game plan but at least you know me you know being a crybaby over here in relation to my bet i was like come on guys get let's get after it a little bit more here but uh no, absolutely that's, that's the game we play though Absolutely, man. I don't know why I went over from like I'm like I was like more overs and chalk, and now I've been like 
I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it's 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 it's, it's you gamblers, it's you MMA gamblers. I'm uh, you know I'm spending too much time with. You know I'm going for plus money and not pointing at you, Luke. Obviously you you, you cashed <laughs> on overs and 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 the appropriate stuff, man. That uh, I feel like uh, old me was on more. I don't, I'm I'm criticizing myself here, but uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just chasing like uh, all this uh, all this value, and I, I I would never bet unders before, and I've been getting burned on a lot of them, so. Uh, definitely hearts out for anybody who had any of those kind of angles on this fight. It was a weird fight to Luke's point. Victoria Leonardo, Leonardo, Leonardo defeated Mandy Bone. Uh, Boom. Um, yeah, I didn't have research or have anything on this fight. I took Leonardo and Tout Master, but I think I, I officially pushed out a pick for Bone because um, I think that's what I said on the podcast. So uh, again, th- this is one I told people not to listen to me to because I didn't analyze it, didn't offer any analysis. Hopefully, nobody went too strong on Mandy Bone just seeing the the fact that it was a pick that I posted. Um, thoughts on this one, Luke? Yeah, it was one I didn't have really any confidence going in. Um, props to the people who got earlier lines on Leonardo at like yeah. plus one forty. That turned out to be you know an excellent bet. Obviously, that line came came in completely, but I did end up actually picking um, Leonardo um, just because I thought she had more you know grinding wrestling upside in, in the matchup, and at least in relation to kind of that level of WMMA. I tend to more side with with the person who's got a little bit more floor upside and can can dictate where the fight fight potentially takes place. Smart man, yeah, no, that's that's a great that's a great breakdown. Um, as far as that goes, ne- last fight here, Nicholas Dalby defeated Cadio Silva, new level. Um, man, I gotta call myself out again here, not to you know keep bringing it over to me, you know, uh, as I as I tend to do. Um, but no, I mean, it, 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 if there's a point to this recapping, is to be critical, right? We, you know, if fighters, you know, you know, or coaches uh, say, you know, they gotta, they gotta win or learn. Well, I gotta learn, right? If, if that's the saying, or you learn from your, you learn more from your losses. Isn't that the, the usual fighter one? Um, yeah, man. Again, going against my trend, I'm usually a guy more often than not. I'll pick the, 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 the maybe the lesser athletic guy. Uh, maybe not in this case, but you know, the, uh, to survive the storms, the guy who will survive the storm and have a late. Come on, latest. I'll take a slow starter generally over a strong starter who might guess. Like I feel like almost like 80 percentile more often than not. Of course, there's a lot of context, a lot of things have to factor in. Each matchup is different. There is no default all in this game. But I'm just saying, speaking in generalities, Luke, I like me the slow starter probably better than the fast starter. If you if if the if the uh, hypothetical guns to my head, right? But again, going against my trends here, right? Going more toward unders than overs. I, I find myself going toward uh. You know, these guys who they got to get it done early or it's bust. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, after Claudio Silva couldn't get it done in round one, despite having a decent round one, uh, I didn't feel good about it and kind of resigned my ticket to tear it up before we even got to round three. Just knowing Claudio Silva's history, couldn't ask for much more. Uh, I deserved what I got. I knew what I was betting on. Uh, And Dolby won, man, who's a nice guy, so I'm not hating on that either. Thoughts, Luke? Yeah, it was one, you know, he, I think he was, Dalby was around like minus 250 or so, and I'm just like, Dalby's fought so close in the past. Like, if, yeah. I, if I was to bet the fight, I was I, it would have been a shot on Silva, but kind of aging Brazilians, had that just in capping MMA for the last six years, it tends not to be a very profitable trend um, that I've noticed um, personally. Um but I definitely understood the the dog shot angle on on Silva, but perhaps Adal would be a good fight for him. You just got to find the right Brazilian. You got to find like those war horses. Like I know what you mean, and that that's been the long trope. And I I totally get it. By the numbers, 
majority's probably in your favor. You're probably right playing those stereotypes, right? But off the same token, when you look at those fighters where it doesn't make sense how long their career is and they shouldn't be this competitive this late, well, a lot of those are Brazilians, right? And you look at the, the Russian stereotype and the winning and the Ramaga Madoff. They win 20 times. Every time a Ramaga Madoff fights, we have to have our timelines littered with these Ramaga Madoff stats. Where it's like, really? You're telling me that Ramaga Madoffs win a lot? Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, but, but when the Russians do lose, who is it? They're by Brazilians. And sometimes not even like the Brazilians that age well, like Adriano Martins, who was never that great, and his chin left him. But he still could KTFO Islam Makhachev, right? So I, I do want to stick up for the Brazilians there. So it's, you got to pick them. So I'm not, you, you're not wrong, Luke. I'm just saying it, it, there, there is a flip side to that coin that I find kind of ironic, right? Yeah. But uh, all right. So that uh, ended, that concluded that. Let's uh, look at the time here. What do we do on time for that? I'm going to mark it down. That's about 40. I'm going to go clean up the chat before we move on to UFC 277, and we'll be breaking that down. A in the chat asks, um, how do you feel about MMA media not asking Alex Perez a single question at the press conference? Embarrassing. I didn't watch the press conference. Did you, Luke? Uh, I did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I, I don't. Uh, and we'll get to that. We'll get to Alex Perez. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't I just watched his his um, his media day interview and uh, page note this, but I wasn't exactly inspired. Um, but yeah, I don't think he cares, judging from what I saw. <laughs> Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, honestly, I yeah, no. not not really much to say nope. from anybody. Yeah, there's always that one person they never ask questions to, and I always feel bad for him for what it's worth if that's what they're getting at. Mary F is both Molly Meatballs KOs better than Zhang Weili's KO of Joanna. Um, I don't know. You probably got to split hairs on that. I I think Zhang's um, technically was probably better because it was uh, counterbalancing. But I got to go back and rewatch Molly's as far as impact moment, crazier moments with the audience and being in London. I I feel like you know Molly checks all those other boxes and maybe that pushes her over the average, especially since we're comparing two to one sample. I guess I'll lean Molly, but probably more technical one to Zhang. I don't know. Um. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. We got uh, A. Did those A Y? That's why I keep saying A. Did these fighters talk about it in the Octagon interview though? Way more exposure that way. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's why they say you know use your time wisely, right? That in Octagon uh, interview matters more. I agree with that. Ken Rather is clearly washed. Why is he still fighting? Because Krylov is not that good. Wow, that's kind of mean to both those guys. But uh, yeah, I I do think he's, you know. Uh, I hate to use the wash word, but I agree for what that's worth. Um, and, uh, you know, give the miner some love. You know, I don't think, you know, I, I never overinflate him, but uh, he's, he's made improvements. Uh, Rain Lamina, what do you think of Molly getting layups like Hannah? Goldie for the UFC seems like manipulative BS to build up Molly. I mean, it is. We've seen this before. Uh, you guys know I've complained about it before, but at the same time, it's like, what are you going to do? This is These are the people that they, they, they do like to build up when there's so many other cases that would actually be smart to protect investments and really good fighters. Um, and those are the ones that kind of get thrown to the wolves a lot. So, yeah, you could send me on a rant there, but we see it so much. What do you, what do you want me to say at this point? You know, I think we all know what's going on. Um, Alvin Yakatori, no need to eat crow, Mr. Tom. We are all doing our best in this world to improve. Indeed, sir, we are. Keep doing your best and everyone will be happy. My man, I love the positivity from Alvin Yakitori. 
Ozdemir looks slower. AY says, fading him next fight if the matchup is right. Yeah, you just got to, you know, maybe Ozdemir is one of those fault line guys. It's like uh, if a guy is like outside of top 10 or something, maybe you don't fade him or, you know, it's all matchup dependent. Uh, that, that's the name of this game. Samuel Negrete, what's up, Dan? I'm ready for the breakdown. We're going to get to it here. Gian Knight, do you think Baum versus Leonardo uh, was worse than Rose versus Carla too? Um, probably, probably not. I don't know. I, again, we're drawing straws. We're getting that low. Crombopolis, uh, what do you think of low-level fights like Baum versus Leonardo? A lot of Baum versus Leonardo questions. Uh, I don't think much, clearly, since I'm kind of skipping by these questions, though I appreciate you guys asking them. Chris London, what's up, Mr. London? What up, DT? Good Good to hear you, boys. Uh, juicy over 1.5 parlay with Nunez, Moreno, Kim fights equal plus 101. Best of luck to you on that, Mr. Linden. We're going to get to our thoughts here on that in a second. And lastly but not leastly, before we move on, when do you think, this is from Mary Rui, uh, when do you think Whaley will fight Carla Esparza? I asked her in a live chat last, said I have to wait for the official announcement. Well, I guess we'll have to wait. I don't know. I, I appreciate it again. I get all of the Whaley comments. I don't know if I'm like the official correspondent from my, my half Chinese ass over here, but I appreciate the uh, Chinese questions and the Chinese love, but I don't have any Chinese answers or English answers. So uh, we're going to have to wait for that announcement. Let's get to the breakdown. That's why we brought uh, you guys are here for. That's what I brought my guy Luke here for. We're going to go from top to bottom. UFC 277, of course, headlined by the rematch, Juliana Pena. Verse Amanda Nunez. All right. About 44-10. All right. Uh, 265 for Amanda Nunez. Uh, not too far from the opener, if recollection calls. And then plus 225 uh, for Pena. Um, before I talk too much S, let me see what, what, this, uh, what this opened at. Um, my breakdown is not up. But um, people may be or may not be surprised. Um, with where I go. Luke, why don't you start us off? Um, who did you have the first time around, and uh, what do you think about this matchup going into the rematch? So, like most people, I picked uh, Nunez in the first spot. Uh, I actually did not have um, a cent of money on the fight. I didn't have Nunez in a parlay. I didn't have her inside the distance. I didn't have any. So, I am um, coming from a completely agnostic opinion. Uh, I did not get burned on Nunez the first time, and I also did not look like a hero <laughs> in cashing the, um, uh, the the big ticket on, on Pena, so props to those people. Um, I've seen a lot of Pena love this week, and I mean, I get it. <laughs> the girl the girl went out there and, and, and she just dethroned the, the essentially the reigning champ for the last five or so years, who's largely been regarded as the best female fighter to ever you know grace the octagon i can't take anything away from her and i think she is live in this in this fight in certain capacities too um but i think it also comes down to approach mainly i think she has to duplicate a pretty similar game plan she has to go out there get after amanda nunez make her work whether that's in you know the wrestling or grappling whether that's within the striking we have seen nunez have some cardio issues in the past but I do want to give Nunez, I'm going to be more of actually a Nunez defender more so in this spot. I just think people are a little too willing to kind of jump ship over to the other side. Now, that's not to say that I'm betting Nunez in this spot, at least at the current price. Honestly, if she gets closer to minus 200, I'm going to do it personally. Um, I just, I think people are kind of completely disregarding the overall large body of work that, that Amanda Nunez has built up. I think... Nunez also has her pretty much covered in every single statistical category. Um, and I just think to assume that the first fight or how the first fight happens, that this is exactly how this fight's going to happen. Um, I, 
I think that is a little bit irresponsible, although it's possible. Um, I, Amanda Nunes is a high-level fighter who's been around for years, so the assumption that she's not going to make any adjustments, you know, once again, I think that's that's kind of an irresponsible take. I do think she is going to make some adjustments. She's going to fight more tactically, and the reality is, despite some of her gas tank issues in the past, there's only one girl in this matchup who's won in championship rounds and has won five-round fights, you know, multiple times, and it's not Juliana Pena, it's Amanda Nunes, right? So the narrative that she can't go five rounds or, you know, she's screwed if this fight goes later, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really convinced about that with some proper adjustments. My concern more on the Nunes side than anything is where's her mindset at right now. Um, you know, she, she did leave ATT. She is 34 years old now. Um, she had the, the baby some somewhat recently. Um, she actually used the word retire in the press conference, which I thought was a, a little interesting. Um, so honestly, it's, it's more narrative-based for me that where, where my concerns of Nunez come primarily because I think if the best version of Amanda Nunez shows up, um, I think she does cover, uh, cover her price tag in either... Uh, actually beats Pena over the course of 15 minutes, I'm sorry, 25 minutes while while mixing in some wrestling to win some minutes, uh, or she is going to be able to put Pena down. Just because Pena took her shots in the first fight, I don't necessarily think that's an auto that she's going to take the shots of Amanda Nunes in the second fight, personally. Because we know Amanda Nunes hits like a truck. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of my take. But once again, I understand why why people would be inclined to take take the pop on Pena. Yeah, no, that's good analysis. I like what you said about, you know, between the uh, the narrative and then, you know, I guess let's, the other word could be for the other side of it, uh, more evidence-based, right? You know, Nuna's been the five rounds and so on and so forth. But perhaps this is why we get all these, you know, crazy lines and overinflated lines, which I, we're not getting here. We're at the right line, if we're being realistic. Um, I obviously picked Nunez as well, but I say it, I keep that same energy in that breakdown and every other breakdown where you have these wild inflated lines in 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 uh women's mma fights where if it's over minus 500 i'm saying this and i keep that same energy with the men at heavyweight when it's over minus 200 the spread i always squint at those spreads in those divisions because they are very volatile for very different reasons and you see the much wider and more running loose numbers of course ronda rousey numbers if you will since her um, in in the women's division, and you know that uh, I don't blame anybody who is just like I will always just bet those underdogs as soon as they're there. Like I, I I never blame anybody doing that because it's stupid odds in one of the most volatile sports. Like you know you know I mean don't go crazy with it, but like as far as taking a stab or a sprinkle, I will never give anybody crap for that. I unfortunately was not on that either. Um, I was picking Nunez by round two club and sub because Pena is durable. And I had this inkling feeling, you know, this could get really ugly or interesting if it goes beyond that. And, um, of course, it did get interesting. And, of course, we found out later Nunez had some injuries, some camp issues. Maybe there were frustrations um, that perhaps led her to pull the trigger uh, on her longtime bucket list goal, you know, as far as opening this gym. And good for her. That's cool that it sounds like, sounds like something she's w- legitimately wanted from when she was a younger martial artist. But again, you mentioned her retirement in the post-fight press conference, Luke. Um, you know, she, even when she's speaking about her gym, like it sounds like she's like really trying to get things. Like, she knows the end is is near. Is almost like what what it sounds like. And you know, to to dive into the narrative talk, we've seen that with the Joannas and these other you know cowboy Cerrones and and um, thankfully these were fights that I was on the right side of. 
um, which my, my, my analysis took me there. But yes, we've seen that narrative part of it, what I'm speaking about, right? Um, that could easily happen here. I mean, even Nunez said herself that she was considering retiring both before and after her last fight. Um, she kind of talked herself back into it, right? These are kind of uh, flags to worry about. But a trap that I kind of tend to fall into, Luke, is that, and that's why I kind of envy um, you betters and stuff, you know, um, and props to you guys like yourself, Luke, who, who show your work, uh, track your bets, uh, do all those things. Much, much respect. But, uh, so I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay, but what I mean is, you know, because I'm technically an analyst, even though the uh, MMA awards only consider you an analyst if you fought for the UFC and called fights for the UFC, according to their award categories, um, you know, that is my job. That's what I've been doing for over a decade or over half a decade now consistently in the public eye. And a lot of us analysts, though we have different styles and personalities, we tend to fall into this trap, Luke, where, you know, the evidence or the proverbial evidence as, as to we see it um, from tactical styles, right? Um, these things tend to weigh heaviest for us to where, you know, and, and I will, and I tell people picking, analyzing, and betting are three different things. But I know how things are and people are, and I try not to confuse people, and I definitely am not the type to, like, talk out of both sides of my mouth, but occasionally, and I'll state it like I state my biases very clearly, um, yes, I will pick one side and bet the other, right? Because the betting value, it's a different thing. Um, but I, of course, get drawn into the uh, analyst trap. And from one side of it, it's weird because the evidence, like you said, it's on Amanda Nunes' side. She's she's shown, uh, you know, to go five rounds, sometimes looking better against, like, Pennington, right? Um, then Durandamy, that Durandamy fight was a lot more sketchier when you go back and rewatch it, folks. Um, and there was a lot of telltales as far as like certain things that could happen. But she was able to get the takedown on not as good of a grappler, despite still almost getting triangled and reversed by Jermaine Durandamy. That is um, Amanda Nunes, right? And yes, yeah, she went five rounds and beat Valentina Shevchenko. But did she really beat her? Yes, yeah, she did officially. I'm not trying to take that away. But let's not act like it was a blown out of the water fight. And let's not act like it was at a torrid pace. And I agree, you know, with your sentiment. And shout out to my guy Aaron Bronstetter with his, his weekly monologue. His sentiment as far as recency bias, it's absolutely a real thing. I'm sure there are that are just overcorrecting the steering wheel and writing off Nunez like you guys say. I'm not, I'm not denying that. I'm not denying those things or even disagreeing with those things. But you also could look at it and say when someone tells you who they are, maybe you should listen. And perhaps Amanda Nunes was quietly always this fighter. There's a reason why, you know, I picked against her um, with a fighter like Chevchenko or this or that. Like, she, she, she wasn't, the, she's never been the most tighter. Um, she's made some improvements, some countering improvements that I think she's going to have to lean on and sharpen. And it sounds like that's her prerogative, reading between the lines. Of course, these are fighter interviews, folks. But from the evidence, she, she has shown improvements. I'm not downgrading her jabs or her counter crosses. Um, but as far as being technical, I mean, we saw in the last fight, as soon as Pena just started doing a dipping, slipping jab, a very fundamental add-on, folks. I mean, she was completely befuddled. Um, and that led her to perhaps gassing and putting her in a position to where she couldn't recover, didn't have the reserves from the injury, from the lack of training camp. And then perhaps that's where that's unsure. But before that, she seemed to, you know, to her credit, she rode the positions well at the end of round one to Pena. And she seemed to start off the round okay. 
But as soon as those jab trades, as soon as that one small technical thing, by the way, how much does Valentina just wish she fucking jabbed a little bit now after going back to watch that fight? She's like, are you kidding me? I could have just came forward and did that the whole time. Um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, perhaps this is kind of who she is. And if you look at it, you know, Kat Zingano, when Anunes fought her to who she is now, right? And still winning fights, mind you, Kat Zingano, for what that's worth. She's never been a technical mastermind. She wasn't super technical, right? Neither was Pena. And perhaps those trappings of the more technical, the more proven, that led me wrong for Shevchenko, for Nunez, and could perhaps lead here if I were to side Nunez and she, let's say, hypothetically, she loses this weekend, right? Um, sorry, I know I'm kind of talking in circles here, but the point is is that it, it, perhaps, perhaps I had it wrong. Perhaps it, I'm looking in the wrong area. Perhaps it's things like durability, self-belief being stupid psychotic which Pena is I'm not the biggest Pena fan as far as like things she says or her personality but you got to ignore those things as a better man you got to look at the you got to look at what's translating to the actual fight right and what translates from that brashness and stuff that everybody talks about Pena is a crazy self-belief and you know what that's a damn positive thing to have as a fighter and now already had that before the first Nunes fight and she knows she can take the shots she's coming in in better shape looking even more confident I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I rarely ever pick Juliana Pena. I'm not a Pena fan on many, almost any levels, you know. I, I've been, and again, you know, to come clean about camp and coaches and stuff like that, like, I've also been, you know, um, I got I got, I got to come clean, right? Uh, I've been wrong about her coach in camp, uh, BFS Academy, Valley Flow Striking, you know. Sure, they a lot of their fighters at a certain point a couple years ago, a few years ago, they suffered consecutive losses, and it would be more than fair of me, which I did, to judge a fighter, a team, a camp off of their results, right? That's our job here. We've got to be critical, right? Um, I don't think I was necessarily unfair, but i got to admit when I'm wrong. And that guy's done a lot of really positive things with fighters like Bilal, Yair Rodriguez. And even before the slipping jab in the Nunez fight, we already saw her doing some dipping jabs. In fact, I remember actually writing it down as a note to highlight and it didn't make it in for whatever reason. And I'm like, and of course she does, it, it ends up playing a role. Some little stupid thing that I left out. So she's actually been making these improvements for some time. So I want to give credit where credit's due. But it may not even be the technical skills here. It may not even be what's proven. It might be those intangibles of being durable, being able to outlast self-belief. Especially, especially at this point of Amanda Nunes' career. Let's not pretend, lest we not forget. I'm not trying to take away from her things as far as being a WMMA goat or whatever your opinion is, all good, fine. I'm not even going to challenge it. But let's not pretend we haven't seen greats, champions, if you will, fall off, right? And when do they fall off? It's their advanced stages of their career, when they've had a lot of miles on them. Um, do they fall off at the top? No, they don't. Oh, of course they fall off at the top. Where else are you supposed to go? Uh, you know, Chris Weidman, you know, after that epic, uh, yeah, BJ Penn, like, oh, you can go through a bunch of different weight classes, men, women, and Ronda Rousey, you know, all these different ones. When they fall off, they fall off hard when it's time to go. Um, and these are the, the greats, right? These are a lot of the greats of these divisions, you know, top champions. Um, so would it be really be that crazy if Nunez loses to Pena if Pena is just her stylistic kryptonite. We've seen that before in MMA too, right? Some people just have someone's number. Like, it could be that as well. I'm thinking it's a confluence of both, which is what teetered me over to the Juliana Pena side. Um, if Amanda Nunez doesn't do the club and sub that I originally predicted, 
then yeah, I think this is Pena all day. Unfortunately, it's gone down now because I don't play anything till later in the week. Uh, while all you gamblers out there, it's like a gangbang. I'm just like trying to not step on the sticky parts of the room. I get the shit numbers by the time I get in there. Uh, I was looking at that plus 1,000 by TKO real hard. I know I, I'm always known for the cheeky submission bets, but um, seeing how Nunez tapped the mat without the hooks in and just seeing where, where she's gone mentally before, it's not going to take much. Um, Pena's, you know, she's finished more often than not by submission in this last half of her career. But her getting TKOs on the ground is kind of like her, her bread and butter. That's going to be there all day. Like she said, she's ready to scratch and claw and do whatever she needs to do. Um, that's tempting to me. The under two and a half at chalk is tempting to me. Um, but I've not played any of those things. These are just things I'm looking at. I don't blame anybody, by the way. If Nunez gets to minus 200, much less lower, I, I don't blame anybody for doing what Luke said and, and maybe taking a shot at that point. So, you know, again, deserved favorite. This is probably the realistic line, but I'm going with Pena, which I never thought I'd say. All right, any thoughts? No, I'm not, not, not that easy, Luke. No, I mean, there, there's a lot of other people on it too, and I think, I think you brought up a good point in, in your breakdown as well too as this is something that I do. I would say I probably struggle with the most as a handicapper about because I'm so, like, stylistic, historic, statistic based. Right. Is that sometimes you know, I do think there is a lot of narrative that comes into these fights in, in certain spots, and sometimes I'm a, I'm a little too deep in the forest that I can't see the trees, and you know maybe maybe this is one of those spots. It's just it's hard for. I'm not saying that like Pena doesn't have like any potential stylistic considerations sure. for the win. I'm not saying that, sure. but I'm, I do think a, a decent chunk of this um, is predicated on where Nunez is at. And for me, that's just an intangible that's very difficult to handicap for me, where that's, I just, I try to like, I try to like, I'd like to look at what I can actually see and what I can analyze. Otherwise I think I'm just kind of guessing, right? Um, yeah, that's just me. No, no, and that's good. Again, this that, that's why I love you. You could be, you could, you could turn the mirror around and be critical and examine your own, your own thoughts and processes as well. You know, I think that's important for uh, anyone who's a, a capper, an analyst, or anything in between. Right? These are these are good things to to, to have. Um, and the last thing is, I push on to yet another rematch. Is what worries me is that rematches in MMA seldom go the same. And I made profit and looked pretty smart the first half of this year, reminding people of that, right? Um, but I forgot my own advice somewhere along the way, Luke, and I've been getting burned picking against that. Um, although there is a stat, I believe, as far as matches uh, when the champion loses, I believe you know the the, the fighter in Pena's position is eleven and two. Um, shouts to Bronsted or whoever else uh, was sharing that stat around. Um, but yeah, like at the same time, rematches seldom ever go the same way. So even though I'm sticking with my pick, I'm tentative to lay chalk on an under because maybe we just get a decision like a Carlo Rose style. They're just tentative as all hell despite all the, all the talk and bravado, right? Like would that really be the craziest thing for a rematch, a women's rematch with lots on the line to go over or the decision? Would would it really be crazy? And I'm sitting here playing. I honestly, I, not, not to cut you off, I actually no, do think this fight extends. I do think yeah. it goes over personally. Yeah, so that's probably going to keep me away from that. Um, if anything, I may sprinkle if it stays at 900 or goes back up. 
on the TKO, just very small. But this isn't a fight I'm going to look to expose myself crazy, but I do like that long shot for what it's worth. Um, next rematch, Brandon Moreno, minus 210. Kai Kara, France, plus 180. Um, I'll, I'll kick this one off just because of that note. Rematches seldom go the same way, but I felt I remember feeling good about my read as far as picking Brandon Moreno before their fight at UFC 245, Luke, and I was reminded of those reasons and had them re kind of reinforced, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to give a good reason for perhaps a, uh, an example for Car uh, France's pathway to victory. I'm not writing them off here. I didn't bet Moreno. I don't know if I'm going to bet Moreno. I'm not. I'm not feathering any of those kind of nests or coming in with any of that bravado here. But from a stylistic standpoint, I just feel like you essentially got, again, not just the more proven guy in five rounds, but stylistically, Moreno is a guy who can and does adjust, and he's got good cardio. Where Cara France, I've been suspect of his cardio. Like he's really rededicated himself, and he's admitted so much, um, which is good to see, and that kind of makes sense as far as why I was making money fading him and went to, went over to making money on him, so uh, I feel like I've been pretty accurate with Kai Car France, whether I'm picking against him or, or or fading him. So I love me some Kai Car France here. Um, uh, that being said, I am I am going to be picking Moreno. Uh, part of me wants to get cheeky and go maybe Moreno gets a submission. It certainly could happen. Depends on how much he wants to push it. Um, I know I know some have criticized James Krause's camp for if you want to wrestle anybody from for, for the most part from that camp. Uh, but I will say, as far as offensive takedowns, when it makes sense, it feels like they're not shy of implementing of it, the game plan. Will it work all the time when it's, what's his name, uh, dude with the nunchucks who went out and got cream going down to 135, but had some short notice, 145, 155, the blonde dude. Uh, goes out and He's not the best wrestler, but but you, you got to look out and what are they trying to do, right? Uh, what are they trying to do? That's going to tell you about their game planning of the camp. So maybe Moreno kind of switches it over and he goes goes to grapple. So anybody wanting to get cheeky looking for a sub prop, I don't blame you. But I honestly think this goes competitive to a decision. Again, I've criticized Kai Kara France's gas tank before, but he's obviously been taking things very seriously. He's obviously going to take this very seriously. You know, this is his Super Bowl, right? Um, and his team also comes up with very good game plans, giving credit to Eugene Behrman and City Kickboxing. Not that they need that credit because they always get it, even over guys like Joe Lopez, Alexander Volkanovsky, head coach. Make sure you include him, folks. But yes, back to City Kickboxing. They definitely deserve that. And I could see the best game plan, uh, which is pretty within reach. Alexander Volkanovsky even made a quick turnaround to come back to help Kai. Is maybe a Volkanovsky Max Holloway one, where we see... It's not too far from what Kai Kara France does. He just would have to do more leg kicks, um, but have a more point-fighting, point faint, outside-foot approach to maintain his gas tank, to stay away from the grappling. And we've seen Moreno from, you know, uh, his last fight even you can criticize to the way he fought. And, you know, for, for a lot of us analyst nerds at least would criticize it. We're probably the only ones who did. But even go back further. Like, look at his fight with Sergio Pettis. It was, he, he, he fought completely idiotic. Like, he was only turned on for the round one and round five. And he was just doing, like, weird things with his hands. I know it was a while ago. But the point is, we've seen Brandon Moreno. He seems kind of, you know... He seems like he's on uh, he's on my team, you know. Perhaps maybe he's on, you know, maybe he's uh, he's a bit out there, you know. And uh, he uh, he seems like he could maybe check out a bit, is what I'm trying to say here. So like maybe the, maybe he's due for another one of those performances. I know I kind of accused him of having one just the last time out, but we've seen folks with camp changes as well, right? Even when it's a good camp change on paper, uh, it looks good, and then long term it even ends up being good. 
But what often happens, there's often that adjusting period that happens for at least one camp usually, right? And this is that one camp. So, you know, you got to leave room for some weirdness there, right? I know he's taking guys like Masio Fullen and Pitbull Rojo with him. So uh, he's got some familiar um, people who also help with the coaching staff of things as far as Pitbull Rojo. He's consistently been in his corners for fights back. But still, that, that kind of weirds me out here, you know. Uh, and I'm not one to play into the city kickboxing hype and, like, jerking them off every chance I get, uh, you know, or anything like that. But they're a really good camp, man. I've got no hate to them. Eugene Behrman seems seems awesome. I like that he doesn't like the spotlight. That's a that's a good that's a good trait to have. Um, you know, so all credit to them. But uh, So they do have a pathway here, Luke. But I'm picking Moreno decision. Long explanation for a fight that I don't have strong opinions on. Do you have any? Yeah, I wouldn't say I have strong opinions on, but I, I do think it's a decent spot for Moreno, and I think the line is kind of directionally correct, uh, I would say. Um, I think the interesting note, for at least from the first fight, um, is that we saw absolutely no takedowns from either side. We saw no grappling um, from Moreno, and obviously, you know, he had maybe a, a little bit slower of a start. And then we saw him really just turn it up and start walking Kara France down in, in, in two and three and, and really winning the boxing exchanges, despite what the numbers say. It was like 91 to 82 on significant strikes, but um, it, it was pretty clean who was winning who was winning those exchanges, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but that's just the problem I've had with Kara France over the years is that he is a guy who is very accepting of the back foot. Um, he can start to get walked down and outside of the first Moreno fight. There's been multiple other points, uh, other fights you can point to where that's been the case. Um, and where I think he plays that game okay, he doesn't play it like elite, in my opinion. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't have like the the defensive capabilities of like a prime Wonderboy Thompson or something like that. Where I don't know, just from like my my analysis and general process, I don't like people from a betting perspective specifically. I don't like fighters that are going to go backwards who don't have the elite defensive capabilities to do it yep. because it's it's poor optically. Yep. If this even if the striking uh, might even slightly favor you, you might technically be getting the better of it. To trust the judges to see it that way, eh, maybe not so much. Especially if you're a kick-heavy fighter, we know that judges don't always even really care or give a shit about kicks for whatever reason. And sometimes they're just not even a relevant strike. I'm not saying that's right. It's absolutely BS. But we've seen it multiple fights before. It's just the reality of the situation that we live in sometimes. So. We know what we're getting from Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno is going to go forward. He's going to put, uh, I think he's going to put a pace uh, on Kai. But I do think Kai has a game to make the the earlier rounds of this fight uh, competitive. Where my big thing is, and why I do think the price uh, on Moreno is justified, and a five round nature actually favors him much more than a three round uh, nature, just because yeah. he's shown he has the. The, the cardio to to push um he's durable i know he got knocked down three times by fig but fig also the hardest hitter in the division and in, i mean the dude still showed he could persevere um and keep going at the end of the day we know we know care france has some pop too but um yeah over the course of 25 minutes i i think it's just going to be a bit of an uphill battle for for kai to win a decision coupled with the fact that this is going to be his first um five round contest in his entire career with you know, maybe some little cardio issues in the past uh, at, at, uh, at, at, I'm sorry, in 15 minute contests too. So yeah, I think there's just a lot that, that speaks to Moreno. Um, instead of like laying a super chalky price on it though, I, I think I'd probably rather just buy down and play him by points 
at like plus 140 personally. Yeah, that's what I was just looking at that number too. That might be the only stab I do take. Um, either that or maybe maybe a small um, sprinkle on sub. I don't know, but uh, yeah, nothing here, folks, and that's and maybe nothing at all. Who knows? If I find a cool way to play it, um, I'll post it. Of course, full transparency at Dan Tom MMA. Thanks for liking the video. Subscribe. We're gonna move on to the next fight. We got Derek Lewis plus one fifteen, Sergey Pavlovich minus one thirty five. God dang it, he was plus number earlier in the week. Um, and I do not. I don't know if I want to touch it at chalk. Um, obviously, I'm leaning toward Pavlovich. Um, I didn't watch tape. This is the one main card fight I didn't watch too much tape on. Well, actually, that and um, some Smith and Ankle Live, though I have some stats and numbers for you guys on that, so don't worry. Uh, but this one, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I'm, you know that there will be to watch as far as Pavlovich uh, to refresh and as far as Lewis goes. Um, picked against Lewis correctly the last time out. Um, but Lewis, man, he could be a tough guy for me as far as I'm always scared of, of betting, betting him, you know, uh, betting, it'll be bet, betting him or betting against him. But I don't disagree with this line movement. Any, any strong thoughts on this fight, Luke? Yeah, not really. I mean, two, two big boys that have the nuclear option, just, you know, that's very in city to me. <laughs> I honestly, I don't really have much, uh, you know, any real in-depth thoughts on this fight. Um, I think. There, I think there's largely two considerations. The first being, you know, obviously with the with both guys having the nuclear option, it's you know who catches each other first. Uh, potentially, I do think Pavlovich. He's got like an 84-inch reach, though. Uh, I think he is a bit quicker. He's a bit more technical. Probably a bit better of an athlete than Lewis. So I'm kind of with you as well that that's where I'm leaning as well. But at the same time. It's not as if Pavlovich is like an output machine either. I know we've seen a little bit more aggressive components from him in recent years, like knockouts aside. I'm talking about like general pacing, even if you go back to his regional days. He's also tends to be actually a pretty patient-ish fighter until the big shot lands. So it's another spot where we know that Derek Lewis can, you know, sit on the outside and really not do a whole lot until he does something. So I would not be surprised if there was a lot of staring here, which could potentially push this over. That's kind of my Eddie Bravo tinfoil hat yeah. take here um, that I, I don't know if I, I if I would have the stones to, to go ahead and do that. I'd probably have to, you know, take my blood pressure medication, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think if you got in on it's one of those fights, if you got plus money on either side, I, I think you're you're sitting OK. Um, but it's also with the volatility of it, I'd want a much bigger number than, you know, even the early numbers and Pavlovich, like plus 107. That's that's just not enough meat on the bone. I think we're seeing Lewis all the way up to plus 120 now. I mean, if Lewis gets closer to like plus 140, I'll probably take it just like out of principle and see if they, uh, if they adjust his knockout lineup too a little bit because Derek Lewis at the end of the day is just not a guy you can analyze through conventional wisdom. There's a lot of stuff he does incredibly poor. You know, he's not exactly the, the this this tactical technician, but the guy wins at the end of the day. He's got a 70% win rate and he's consistently undervalued, consistently counted out. I mean, if you've been blind betting Derek Lewis in a vacuum for the last, you know, six to seven years, your bankroll is going to be looking pretty nice, right? So I think it's just always something to, to consider with, with Lewis, but he is he is getting up there, you know, in age a little bit. Um, at 30, well, even 37 really isn't old at heavyweight. But we have seen him, you know, take take a couple more losses recently. He doesn't particularly handle adversity uh, overtly well. So uh, I'll I'll probably side with 
side with the 30 year old and Pavlovich, but a uh, pretty volatile fight. Nice, nice. Yeah, it is a volatile fight. I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Uh, by the way, shout out to my guy Brad Tashchuk for the heavyweight overs. That's his specialty, and he's convinced me, man. That's the best. That's the, one of the best bets in MMA. Much less if you're betting heavyweight MMA, bet the over. Fuck it. Um, but I will say I, I, I am leaning toward Pavlovich. He's a Greco guy, so he's going to be deciding where the takedowns happen. Um, Overeem at underrated takedown ability and better takedown ability than Lewis. Lewis can take guys down off of kicks. But as my memory recalled, Pavlovich barely throws any kicks and stays in position. Like you said, Luke, he's actually pretty patient until finding it. And that's a good thing as far as staying in position. It's also why he's able to use that power. He's kind of the opposite where, like, everybody has been, like, overinflating Derek Lewis's size. Like, they do it less now. But, like, it used to be really bad. They'd be like, the oh, going shakes when this guy gets in. Wait till you see this guy. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. All I see is Matt Mitrione plus 350, and I'm hitting that. Boom. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, like, he's always been overinflated for his size. But, like, uh, Pavlovich is, like, underinflated. Like, he's a big boy. And you, you guys can even see that um, in their stare down. Um, so I think it's actually a really bad matchup for Lewis. But the volatility here is the totals. And I think it actually could go over. So, yeah, I'm um, going to read off some comments here before we knock out the rest of the main card. Uh, RJ Bertle, what are you guys using her elbows in the air boxing and her dipping jab to beat the stronger fighter? Elbows in the air boxing. I'm not sure what, that, what that's in reference to, but we did cover the, the, uh, the dipping jab, and it's a, it's a good one. Whenever uh, I'm a southpaw, but when I switch and jab from orthodox, that's definitely my move to get off to that side or get my head off that angle. Because I can't really do it as a southpaw. I'm just like kind of dipping my head into their power. God forbid they, you know, throw something, uh, a power kick off of the, uh, off a punch. Um, but yeah, good on her for utilizing that technique. My guy Brad, Brad Daschuk here. Uh, let's see if this is add to the broadcast. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I hear that they're unveiling a new tale of the tape. For this one, height, weight, reach, and ovary size. Ah, you're just talking about the co-main event. Yeah, that's um, that would be something. Let's be honest, Brad. Let you know, you you want the t if if they're gonna do that for that side, uh, you you and me included, by the way, would probably be more excited for what they do for the men as far as additional stats. All right, moving on. <laughs> Jomar Stevenson, do you think Nunez will gas hard like the way she did after round one? I guess we kind of covered that. I'm I'm maybe. I don't know if it's going to be directly after round one because it will be directly after round one and the second one. It took it took some initiating, right? Um, but I guess you could say I'm more on the side of that. Um, sure. A.Y. Nunez loses and blames it on... Whoop, sorry. Nunez loses, loses and blames it on C-O-O-W-Vid lingering... Oh, co oh, COVID. Okay. COVID lingering effects and the liberals will cheer. I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. Drecker Hirschfield, it turns out all you have to do is exchange with Nunez to beat her, and you have your head offline a bit, <laughs> but not get blown out of the water in the first minute. Um, I don't know if it's that easy, but but yeah, there's that, that was it was an eye opener. I think we we agree on that. Um, how much we can disagree or, or, or argue? Brad Tashchuk took Nunez sub or decision line at plus two sixty here. Mm, always those uh, always those contrarian decisions. Perhaps it's the over again. Not hating. I got to get back to that, Brad. So no hating there. He says didn't really want to bet her, but that line seems silly to me. Marion Edge guy, Edge guy, straight edge. Till the day you die, straight. I 
I broke edge already, sorry. Uh, <laughs> hasn't Nunez always had a suspect gas tank? Yeah, that was. I guess that was kind of my point. Sorry, I'm reading these a little bit later, but yes, yes, good additions. But gets away with it because she's more powerful than everyone. Well, I don't know if it's that simple, but yeah, I, you know, I guess that was kind of my point. Maybe she kind of was always this fighter. Maybe it takes the right fighter to show it, perhaps. We'll see. Gaia Nightlord, real mom champ fight here. Get your Michelle Waterson memes ready. That's right, that's right. I don't know about, yeah, be careful with the real mom champ. Hopefully uh, Pena uh, is, is uh, you know, uh, not wording things so offensively uh, or whatever, because I, I forget what she said. I don't want to bring it back up, but boy, does she have a way with words, right? I'm picking her, but again, <laughs> got to separate a lot of bias to do so. Rain Lamine. This is one of the worst paper. Is this one of the worst pay-per-view of all time? So far, I think it's the worst of this year. I'm gonna let Luke weigh in on weigh in on this one. Do you know why UFC gets away with this card as built? It's because they already got their money, man. They don't care. They don't care about the card structure, which is why the fight we're gonna talk about next is in the middle of the main card and not opening up the main card. But uh, Luke, any any thoughts as far as where to rank this pay-per-view? Yeah, it didn't happen yet, but you know. Yeah, it's definitely not one that's like at the top of my list. What I will say is I was looking at the, um, I think it's 279, the Diaz and Chimaev pay-per-view. Man, that one's looking slim. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There's there's a lot of fight night cards that we've had that are better than that pay-per-view. So that, at least from what I can recall off the top of my head, it's that 279 card that we have coming up that looks like the drizzling shit, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They went strong for their pay-per-views the whole year, and they'd like to try to go strong for summer, so that's probably uh, what happened. Um, Cintro, I agree with Dan. Nunes has never been a technical fighter. I don't want to be too cruel, cruel, but hope I didn't come off too crass or cruel with that. Not trying to, again, be revisionist history. She, you know, she's considered the woman's goat for a reason, right? But, uh, but okay, I appreciate you. Uh, Lightmare Sworn. Uh, another technical question for you, Dan. How can Nunes counter the slipping jab like the way Zhang Wei Li did by using counter low kicks and slipping inside the jab? Um, she could, but here's the thing. When Nunes was talking about her coaches, she said Roger Crawl, who is the ATT Sunrise affiliate and used to coach her in her corner, so that that's all good. But the other one was um, a wrestling coach who she didn't specify and a jiu-jitsu coach who was also a fighter. And this is true. When I did my own research for social media combing, these are the main three of any kind of support staff that I saw consistently, right? What I didn't see was striking, you know. You, you know, I know you got like the Dia Davises and a lot of people to help your boxing over to American Top Team. A lot of the more top-level fighters seem to really gain access to that, like Poirier, even Nunes to her credit, right? I was giving her credit before for her small improvements but I expect her striking to be probably suffering the most on paper, judging by what we're speculatively seeing on the outside. Again, I'm on the outside, you're on the outside. This is all speculation, folks. But for what it's worth, from what I normally look at, and you're asking me for my opinion, I'm not having too high hopes on the striking for what it's worth. Um, RJ Birdle, the dripping, the dipping jab, is the dipping jab a weapon that can befuddle some high-level fighters? Uh, like Big Nog versus Sergey or BJ Penn versus GSP One. Wow, look at the look at the references on RJ. Um, yeah, man, I gotta go back to watch to watch some of those. But yeah, I mean, jabs aren't if jabs are underutilized. If someone does a dipping jab or if someone pivots and circles with their jab, I went on a lot of rants about that recently with Volkanovski, right, folks? 
Um, these little adjustments to your jab can make the biggest difference in the world. Even a novice shitbag like myself uh, found so much success the other day in sparring when I was getting a little tired and, oh, these, these kids are coming at me, let me keep them away. Oh, when I was using a circling jab, oh my goodness, did that make all the difference of the world? Changing your head level offline defensively makes a huge amount of difference for small gives. So you are not crazy. Those are excellent A-plus references. I'm going to move on to the breakdown while the questions keep piling in. Uh, we're going to cut through the rest of this pretty uh, fast. Although, I, I went deep on this next one. I'm excited for this fight maybe the most, man. Like I said, it probably should be opening the main card, Luke. But, you know, we got to open it with middleweight and light heavyweight, which is like the last fucking weight classes Joe Silva would have ever that guy must be rolling in his grave. Dan, he's not dead. He must be rolling in his grave by now uh, seeing this. But we got Alex Perez plus 160, Alexandre Pantoja minus 190. Maybe I should just be grateful that flyweights are on the main card for once. Luke, what do you got on this one? This is honestly one that I don't – I don't want to say I don't have a great read on, but I don't yeah, – I guess maybe it is fair to say I don't have, like, the best read on, to be honest – Primarily because, like, I don't really know how to benchmark the career of Alex Perez so far, at least in the UFC. Like, his six Ws all come over guys that have obviously now been cut. The Formiga one's a, a, definitely a good W. Uh, can't take anything worth it. I mean, Formiga was, you know, a perennial top ten guy. But, you know, a, li a little bit over the hill and uh, at this point in his career and compromised him with calf kicks. But, you know, outside of that, I, his his overall W's just really aren't that impressive to me. Then he's got those two L's to, you know, Joe B and Figgy. The Joe B one, it's, you know, hard to take much away because it was actually a headbutt that caused Perez to get hurt, which I think is something that needs to be noted because I've yes. heard people say that way too often. All right, he's been he's been knocked out before he's been knocked. It's like, well, technically, but you need to go back and watch the fight because the catalyst to him getting hurt and finished with ground strikes was the headbutt. He just he could not recover from it. So honestly, it, if anything, that fight should have been a no contest, if, if we're being completely honest, similar to like the Kyle Dawkins, Kevin Holland scenario. Um, so that's just my take that it shouldn't it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a loss. And then the Figgy fight, once again, not really much to take away from that in the sense that there was just some bad fight IQ from Perez there where he kind of put himself in, into that guillotine. Um, so there's that. But at least in terms of the matchup, I think that the kicks of Perez could give him some issues. I actually think the boxing of Perez is is somewhat underrated too, uh, from like mm -hmm. a technical and hand speed perspective. But Pantoja's a motherfucker, man. Like he's just he's just a difficult guy to fight. You know, he's he's not the prettiest you know guy in the world, but he's gonna come forward. He's gonna let his hands go. The dude's got pop for the division. You know, he's durable. Um, he's slowing down a little bit in certain spots, but in general, he's a guy who's gonna push through any sort of uh, you know cardio type issues he has. Um, so yeah, I'm really curious to see how Perez kind of deals with that with that zombie-like nature uh, of Pantoja. Also, in in terms of the submission grappling, we know that Pantoja is a pretty sound black belt. You know, even despite getting you know largely out wrestled by Askar Askarov, you know he was able to get to his back twice in that fight. And we obviously know Pantoja has a healthy amount of subs on his record. So with Perez coming off the last Figgy fight, you know. That doesn't look particularly great, and I think he has been submitted in, I think, three of his four pro losses overall. So is he going to stick his head into a guillotine again? I mean, who who really knows? I guess I'm more concerned of, you know, what happens if, you know, Pantoja, you know, gets to his back, you know, in transition, or if Pantoja is just able to get on top of him, potentially, you know, what happens. There's just so many question marks that I don't have 
you know, a, a, a great answer to, but I think at least meritocratically, I think you have to probably favor Pantoja as this would easily be the biggest W for, for Perez in, in his entire career by margin. But I do think, I do think he is getting just a tad disrespected. I mean, this, this line's really starting to blow up towards Pantoja. Once again, I understand the talking points, but I mean, Perez isn't, isn't some bomber or anything. I, I do think there's aspects of his game that can give uh, Pantoja some troubles if he, if he kind of avoids the, uh, the big bonker uh, avoids dominant grappling positions potentially. So uh, my pick will be Pantoja though, but I do think uh, from a bet at this point, I'd be more inclined to take the shot on Perez. Yeah. I, I actually see money coming in on Perez, but I agree with you as far as what the line opening that was. I definitely think that was borderline disrespectful and I agree. Pantoja should be the favorite, the designated favorite here. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I went from hating this fight because I lo- people that know me, I love both guys. I've been a longtime Alessandro Pantoja fan, and I've been a big defender of Alex Perez, um, which is not popular because he hasn't fought until like he fought like peak hype figgy, where people were just like pushing your friends are just pushing each other out of line just to jerk this guy off. Like it was crazy. The the betting community like. Oh, I got so much bad looks for betting against Figgy that fight. So I am an unabashed uh, Alex Perez defender. So I always hate these fights because they put the guys I want and I, together. Meanwhile, like, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on Askarov because I actually like Askarov. And he did, even though he pulled out of the fight against this fight with Perez um, that was originally supposed to book. That was the fight I wanted because I was like, you got beat by Moreno. That's, again, of course, like, I'm not a, I'm not a, a robbery guy and I'm not even saying it for that fight, though that is maybe one of the fights I might be able to get away with saying that for. Um, But man, you know, add that to the list, by the way, folks, for, again, fights that you actually can accuse, and I'm I'm defending the judges more often than not here, folks. Uh, They they do get it right most of the time. Um, But, of course, the ones that you could argue that they probably got it wrong, of course, my ass is always on the side of those ones. Uh, So I really wanted that Askarov-Perez fight, because I felt like Perez is just a, a terrible, the worst matchup for Askarov, right? Um, but if I felt like, if I felt that way, and Perez, up until six, six weeks ago, uh, five or six weeks ago, spent his whole camp getting ready for an Askarov, and I already thought he had the good enough wrestling to shut Skarov, and as we saw, not that MMA math is a thing, but we saw what Askarov did to Pantoja, and in fact, well, look at who does what to Pantoja in losses, right? Well, let's look at the common thread. Minus Dustin Ortiz, that's length and size, Perez, wrestling, Perez. And what I really needed to see is key. You have to be able to counterpunch because as good as Pantoja is on the feet that he doesn't get credit for his Muay Thai and his extended exchanges and his own counters that have improved, by the way, it's offensive improvements. Defense has always been Pantoja's gaping hole. He's relied on his durability and subs. But as far as that goes, there's not much defense beyond that as far as striking defense. That's been something that even with the move to American top team, uh, we haven't seen very many improvements on, right? And Perez has a deceptive left hook, both coming forward and as a checking counter. We've been seeing that quietly uh, more in his more recent performances. Not so much the Figueredo one, because there was, even though he actually hits Figueredo with a good left hook in that fight, um, he goes for a takedown. Of course, Figueredo grabs the fence, which allowed him to reset himself and sw- not just defend the takedown, but that also gave him the leverage to swing into the leg lock. Of course, Perez still 
defends that, but when he has to defend the leg lock, he has to spin out and into it, and that momentum has him kind of have to rebase and re and recollect Figueredo on top in the guard. And that little opening put his head in there. And in other words, what I'm trying to say here from a technical eye, folks, that guillotine was actually a bit more forgivable than how it looked. It's still a major biff, right? Cost of the title. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat shit, but I will say it was much more defensible than perhaps y'all remember or perhaps y'all might interpret it. And it was arguably sparked off an illegal fucking move. Um, which, of course, you know, the ref doesn't call. And, you know, the ref also, back to that Benavidez, smart man, that pisses me off. So many people don't acknowledge that. And it really pisses me off because Benavidez himself, in the heat of the moment, on live TV, admitted it himself, folks. We're not just, like... Soar betters or Alex Perez fans here. Like, these are facts. Um, and, the, and and still, and you had a referee biffing it and fucking it up. And you had, like, literally, like, three stoppages in there for him to finally be stopped. Like, yeah, that was his one his one KO, right? So there are caveats. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to overly revisionist history. We can play this game on anybody, right? Uh, so I'm not trying to overly do that. But there are legitimate caveats there. And there's legitimate improvements. And there's much more legitimate... Uh, Intangibles and question marks as far as the improving fighter because he's the younger fighter both in years and else. I've been a fan of Pantoja for a very long time and I've defended him. But something that I've been also consistent about and keeping the same energy about, I've never faded him. I can't even think of a time where I picked against him now that I mention it, Luke. But I've said this, picking Pantoja, betting Pantoja, and being a big fan of Pantoja, I've always said this, is that his style, speaking of when people drop off, they drop off hard, like we were talking about with potentially with Nunes, comparing other champions. Other, um, or back to your note with the uh, aging Brazilians, right? Um, is he, I think we're getting to the point where we're going to find, is he that small percentage warhorse on the one side of the coin that I was talking about earlier? Or is he on the other side of the coin that Luke was talking about, folks? That maybe he's reaching his end because one thing I've always said is that he's durable as hell and that's why I've picked him and bet him. But relying on that, as he gets older at this weight class, he hasn't had like years off and like breaks like Alex Perez had. Um, this guy's been fighting since 2007 at a pretty high freaking clip, at a really rough style, a lot of long fights, a lot of miles. When it goes on Pantoja, folks, it's going to go hard. And it's probably going to go to one of the power punchers in the division. We, we saw him almost get stopped by Figueredo, even with the Chanel fight, go back and watch the Chanel fight, that was the closest he had, he was almost out on his feet, um, he got, he traded hooks, like, very Dan Hardy, Carlos Condon style, like, and again, his durability probably saved him, but even in fights where he's knocking people out, folks, he's getting rocked in almost all these fights, he even got stung by a couple good fights, which was at least good enough to swing the scorecards his way against Asker Askarov, which there is an argument that he could have edged that out if you're really looking for who had more attempts and came closer to finishing the fight. You could make that hipster argument for Pantoja there. Don't get me wrong, but again, out-wrestled him. Even his bare-bone countering prowess, uh, that's not much to speak of that Askarov has. It was good enough. In fact, it was Askarov's low volume that made that close. Anytime Askarov actually committed and countered, he was hitting him. Um, man, I hate this pick because of how I heard Alex Perez at the press conference. He did not... It kind of sounds like he he just, you know, it, a win is all that matters. He doesn't care if he has to do it by decision, which could be good. Maybe that means he's, he's ready to wrestle. Alex Perez, even though he's been getting it done early, 
he uh, he touts his cardio quite hard in his conditioning, despite you know uh, a couple hiccups at the scale. Again, all these cancellations. It's not all him, folks. It's got two of them that's on him, I believe, as far as the scale. Um, but he is a big flyweight, folks. He is one of the bigger, more powerful flyweights. Uh, I hope it's not true, and part of me hopes my pick is not true because Pantoja is the man. He's worked his ass off. He deserves uh, the title shot. He had the, one of the most politest. He reminds me of a little Glover. He's such a good goddamn sportsman. It makes me such a bigger fan of him. He had the most polite call out for the title. Like this guy fucking deserves it. But what happens to people who deserve things? Uh, I can tell you firsthand, this sport's not very kind to you, whether you're betting it or you're fighting in it. How many times have we seen that, you know? Shout out to my guy, Phil McKenzie. Sometimes he'll almost go against his own analysis as an analyst just to pick the sadder outcome because those of us who've been watching this sport for for a while, we know how this fucking shit goes. We know it's the Patty Pimlets and the Molly McCanns to a previous commenter. Those are the people that get built up. Uh, and we know the people who deserve it, the good people, the technically skilled people, all the other checkboxes that should be fucking important. UFC doesn't care about that as much. The MMA gods don't care about that as much. Um, so for that reason, off narrative, if you will, and the technical things I laid out, again, wrestler, strength, being able to counterpunch, um, the leg kicks, which by the way, I don't like to make too much of a big deal on this because statisticians are bad at counting leg checks. So what I'm about to say, which is 90% of Pantoja's opponents land all their leg kicks in the 90 percentile range, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot. Um, so yeah, it, you got you to gotta be careful about that. Um, but that being said, for all those reasons, I do think there's multiple pathways to victory. Uh, part of me wants to pick uh, Perez, but I'm not confident in it. And I, so I, part of me was going to sprinkle on it. I think it's like, was it plus 700 or something to, for him to be the first person to stop Pantoja? And it should be priced that high because god dang durable. Yep, plus 750. Part of me wanted to sprinkle on that, but then I listened. And I know it's just an interview, folks, but maybe it's because, you know, this is his first fight since he's had a kid and became a father. That can be a big thing, right, for Alex Perez. But he sounds like he just, you know, he's really into being a dad right now. Um, he's been away. It sounds like he really needs the money. So I think he's going to go in there to want to go to win. But I don't know if he's going to take the chances and be as crazy as he normal is, which is bad because I think he needs to push the pace. I think Pantoja is having more trouble keeping pace at this late stage of his career, even in three-round fights. So pacing is going to be key. Um, if it's a high-paced fight and, you know, Perez is able to survive the first round, uh you know, I think that that's a good sign for him. He could definitely get submitted here, but I'm actually going to pick Perez. I'm less confident on it because here was my angle on it um, because I'm not as confident picking Perez, much less betting him, right? Um, and he's going to be my pick here. But the analysis, I was initially thinking maybe he's going to be the first person to finish, which is a pretty steep prediction. But again, the way he's sounding, I don't like it as much, and that gets in my craw because my, 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 my hedge here for the pick and the bet was going to be the under because I think that Pantoja, I don't trust his gas tank to win a decision. I, des I He does deserve to be the favorite, but I think it's going to be submission or bust. Again, historically, Perez can give those submission spots. It could happen. I, it wouldn't be crazy. I I feel like, though, that this quietly, that might be where his eggs are going to have to be in for Pantoja for that reason. I'm semi-reluctantly going with Perez here. I may play him, but if I play him, it's like, you know like a half unit or three quarter unit play on the money line at this point you know not, nothing too sexy not playing unders not getting cute with props it's more just a small 
stab on the dog or pass for me. Picking Perez. I hate this fight because Pantoja fucking deserves to win. I don't know if that made sense, but <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's that's a good breakdown. I'm kind of right there with you. Um, like I said, I'm picking Pantoja, but right. I mean, from a betting perspective, it's completely dog or pass at this point. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, uh, I won't be as passionate about this one, but speaking of dog or pass, we have Magomed Ankalaya, uh or as I like to call him, Dagestani Stipe. Come on, he's Stipe. He just puts the beard and the nose piece on, right? Look at him. Look at him. Right? Look at him. Dagestani Stipe. Sorry. Dagestani Stipe, uh, minus 540. Uh, Anthony Smith, plus 420, man. Uh, I'm a big Anthony Smith fan. First UFC fighter to shout out the Protect Your Neck podcast. He appreciated my half-guard analysis. That could be something to look forward he- to here because Ankolaev, um, like a lot of Greco guys in this sport, um, do like to work from that half guard. We'll set up shop there. Not as much as he did in his regional career. The guy had some devastating, scary ground and pound on the regional scene. I really wish he would get back to it. But maybe this is a good match not to. You know, with the Paul Craig flashback, the Anthony Smith round three. Um, basically, I haven't researched this fight yet. Magomed Ankalaev, I'm a big fan of, of the rare Southpaw light heavyweight. Shouts to him. Shouts to the J- uh, Jamal Hills of the world, right? Um, completely different fighters, obviously. Uh, but, you know, let's just say this. Um, I'll probably end up picking him when you look at my main card article, folks. You'll probably see Magomed Ankalaev as my pick. But for me, this feels like dog or pass. And I'm going to be researching this fight, not even so much for my pick, but just to see if Anthony Smith by submission, Anthony Smith by round three. I know I'm going to get some sweet numbers on those. I want to see if those are worth a small, small sprinkle because even if I pick Mankalaev, I, I ain't playing him at this price. Um, and I like Mankalaev. I'm not even hating the Russian here. What's your thoughts, Luke? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good spot for Ankalaev. Um I just think Smith is most likely KO, you know, guard, sub, or bust in this spot. I know that Ankalaev necessarily isn't uh, this pace machine, you know, whether that comes on, you know, on the feet with his, with his hands in terms of the volume he's throwing. You know, he's not a guy who's necessarily – Despite coming from that 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 Greco and, and, and Sambo based background, you know, not a guy who's necessarily going to dive on legs uh, for 15 minutes. But the best way I describe him, he's just a guy who's like out there playing chess while everyone else, where everyone else is playing checkers. Like he's just he's so intelligent, he's so cerebral, he's always one to two step, uh, two steps ahead of the guys that he's fighting. He referenced the fact that you know he's a pretty rare. Southpaw, and I think that's an interesting talking point for this matchup as well, because Anthony Smith has not fought a Southpaw since 2017. Yep. Um, so I think that is, uh, you know, that's not to say that Anthony Smith he's never fought Southpaws. He doesn't get Southpaw looks in the gym. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, you know, more so in recent years, at least in terms of the the, the fights in and of themselves, he's going to be getting a bit of a different look. And I kind of disagree with with. Smith like making this like uber competitive on the feet because I think there's. I think there's like two considerations, right? I don't think it's as easy to just say that, okay, Smith's going to come forward. He's going to throw hands, so he's going to hit Uncle Live with impunity. I mean, Uncle Live is one of the best defensive strikers in the entire division. The guy eats only a little over two significant strikes per minute. I think he defends at distance at about 68. I think he's ranked like, you know, average two, three, or four uh, in, in terms of both categories defensively in the UFC. So he's not a guy who you really just get off on extended combinations against because he's got that you know, 
darting in and out uh, type style. You know, he, he's got the big body kick. He's got the big straight left. He's got that really nice check right hook. So I think if Smith tries to go to aggro and just doesn't set his stuff up enough, uh, he's going to get countered to bits. Uh, on the other side of the coin, if he tries to play more of an outside tactical-based game with Ankalaev, he's just going to get pot-shotted and picked apart uh, over the course of 15 minutes to that. And then when you factor in the wrestling component of the fight, Anthony Smith only stuffs takedowns, I think, at like 40, 40-ish or something percent. Um, not a very good mark. You know, despite Ankalaev, once again, not being the guy to dive on legs for 15 minutes, he is in control time positions 90% of the time. His fights are spent in the grappling. So when he gets guys down, they are staying there for extended minutes. And unfortunately, that's been an issue with Smith uh, throughout his career as well. You know, we saw it, you know, against Glover. We saw it against uh, Rakic, you know, a, a few other fights as well, where where when Smith gets taken down, you know, he, he is a black belt. You know, he does have an aggressive guard. Uh, we obviously saw him, uh, you know, submit Devin Clark and, and a couple other guys. But uh, I, I really think, you know, Paul Craig, Uncle Live fight aside, I honestly think that was just the fluke call <laughs> flukes. Um, I, I don't I don't think Smith is catching him uh, in anything. So my point is that I think one takedown's most likely around uh, in this fight, and I do think it's the clearest path to victory for Ankalaev. Uh I just, I really struggled to see how Smith wins minutes. But he could catch Ankalaev. Ankalaev is, despite me, you know, touting his defense, he's not invincible. You know, he did get dropped. By Tiago Santos, we saw Dolce, you know, hurt him a little bit. We saw Krylov have some early striking success. You know, Vulcan kind of dinged him too early. So I'm not saying the guy's invincible by any means, but in terms of, like, exchange to exchange, minute to minute, uh, I, I think uh, Smith is climbing a massive uphill battle in this fight. Yeah, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I, I see a lot of the pot shotting you talked about. I definitely don't disagree with the grappling trends. Um, I like Ankalaev again. I, I want him – I'm on the point where I either want him – to prove why me and many were high on him or just turn into a good fade plant that I can fade if he's going to fight conservative and kind of go into his own shell like Tiago Santos did, you know. Saw someone post, don't forget Anthony Smith fought the good Tiago Santos. That was actually wild. Not this, like, no offense, you know, no, no offense, whatever. Just calling it as I see it, like, Tiago Santos' last four fights since his knee injury to Jones, he's just, he's using all his, what he's developed, his, past highlights to scare you and he's threatening it showing oh you don't you don't want you don't want this you don't want this and if you do come in he'll just swing really hard and like scare and then and he's gotten better at takedown defense he'll defend a takedown and then that's about it that's about it and it's the most frustrating effing style this new version and that's who Ankalaya fought and the fact that you were right you reminded me you're right I gotta go look at that he did get dropped by him still so but that being said you're right I don't see a ton of things Anthony Smith's gonna do and and let me ask this was what worries me about the Smith striking. I'm not trying to downplay his striking. Like he's actually good at like extending combinations and and changing range mid combinations. He has some really good striking skills. Um, but for the southpaw matchup, right? Uh, how many southpaws? And 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 maybe he will have one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did he part ways with Mark Montoya and now he's training with uh, Weidman and um, Barbarina, who is a southpaw? Granted, he's a welterweight and he's not long. But there's one southpaw UFC level. Um, and I think those guys train as well with a bit of John Salter, who is a southpaw too, but he's Bellator, he's a grappler. Um, and he, again, he's a, he's a middleweight, not a light heavyweight. Uh, in other words, what I'm saying is, is a lot of grappling and wrestling-based camp, a lot of grappling and wrestling-based fighters, minus Brian Barbs, of course, um, that he's training with, if that rumor is true. And again, if that rumor is true, that means he stepped away from one of the striking gyms and striking coaches that, you know, I like. I'm a big Mark Montoya fan. Um, 
you know, as far as uh, as far as as, as uh, uh, some of the work that he's done. Um, so that kind of worries me here. Have you heard anything of that, Luke? Does, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah, for I mean, from what I've heard, that that appears to be true. Um, I guess I. I, I guess I can't confirm it, but from everything I've read, it seems to yeah. be the case that he did leave. He did leave Factory X. Yeah, I did a quick scan of the social media, but that never can tell too much, right? Um, but yeah, uh, no, I, I don't disagree here uh, with the things with the things you're saying. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably the pick an ankle lad myself. I just I just hate this number. Um, we're gonna go speed chest to the prelims. If you have to get cut through it fast, if you have any strong opinions. Please launch, Luke. And before we do that, I'm just going to do one more cleanup of the chat until we get uh, to the end and get out of here. Um, Spart Helder, is City Kickboxing the best gym? I don't have anything to say for best gym. Um, I'm biased, and I'm not even going to be like, Street Couture, baby! Fuck the world! Like, no, like, I, I'm, I'm the worst to ask for that. Thankfully, that's not my, my job to give that award. Watch, I'm probably going to get it now next year. Um, good gym, obviously. People are training, traveling to train to it for a reason. Good game planning. Uh, great, great gym. Um, is City Kickboxing a better gym than Fight Ready with Henry Cejudo? Again, I haven't trained at either of those places, so I can't say. Um, but uh, they're they're both up there. I will say that, and they both have shown improvements when fighters go there, and they both have shown to improve fighters who aren't their marquee fighters, right? So it's not just Izzy or it's not just Henry Cejudo, right? Like that's how you can kind of tell the quality of a camp, right? Like not to pick on SBG, but that's kind of a good example as far as like you had Connor and who who else do we have there? How did uh, Duffy maybe? No, he wasn't an FG, S, SBG guy. And you know, mm-hmm. how did they develop their other fighters? They didn't, you know. And again, I'm not not crapping on those guys, but they didn't do too great, right? How did guys like you know Macwan Amir Khani or actual UFC fighters do when they went to SBG? I'm pretty sure those were all losses. Did they stay long? No, not really. I mean, again, I can't say I'm not there. Perhaps it's a freaking great gym, but if I can only go off what I see and what the results are, well. You know, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always down for uh, corrections and revisions if I get something wrong. I definitely don't want to disrespect these coaches. They they, they, they they put so much in, you know. Again, I'll admit when I'm wrong and, and give credit to where credit's due. Even coaches I don't know, like James Krause, I was looking. I was like, not to be rude, but I was like, wow, I, didn't, I missed it. I'm like, what? this guy has like a bunch of spots in his hair. Like, what's going on with James Krause? Um, and like I was reading some things apparently is like alopecia, which can be brought on by stress. And I was just thinking about that, listening to an interview with Krauss and a lot of these coaches, they, they juggle so much and it's a very, I know some of them maybe take the spotlight more than others. Sure. And that's fine. They, they deserve it, but it's a very selfless job or at least it should be. And there's a lot of stress that goes on with it. Having your guys go out there that we don't realize, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I really, really am trying to give coaches their respect and due lately. Um, and I've been keeping my same energy with that. You guys who listen to the program know this. Um, R.J. Birdle, Peno's elbows in the air is when she was bo- uh, when she was boxing. I got to rewatch that, R.J. Birdle. That's what I meant. I-, I didn't notice them particularly high, but I'll-, I'll go back and see. Gene Lester, thoughts on Texas judges in general? We always have fuck-ups when we come to Texas, so be wary of that, folks. If you are betting fighters who go to decision who aren't finishers, if you are paying high chalk, right, um, these are things you need to be aware of when we go to these markets. I am not above giving fair criticism, obviously, to judges, and I'm with you guys as far as, you know, uh, more accountability. But at the same time, if we want that side of the coin, we have to keep that same energy on the other side of the coin and give them credit for when they actually do do good jobs, right? So I want to be sure that I'm keeping the same energy on both sides. But I will say for Texas, um, shout out to my guy, uh, 
this is what I want. I want actual fans, educated fans, to go and do the hard work and become officials. Like my guy, uh, shout out, uh, deep in the heart, Aaron from Texas, baby, from MMA Junkie Radio. He's a guy who's been officiating Muay Thai, MMA, and I believe he might actually be one of the officials this week in the UFC. He's got his first UFC show, UFC show. The guy's been doing it for at least like half a decade. Like, that's what's up. Shouts to those motherfuckers. But... I don't think Aaron's from Houston. Forgive me, Aaron, if you are. But Houston is the culprit in Texas that we see, folks. Houston are the main cards you got to worry about. That being said, we will see Houston judges make their way to, you know, uh, Dallas uh, or Austin or these other uh, Texas locations. So, in other words, yeah, there could be shitters in the pies uh, from the judges' side of things, to be fair. So be weary what you're paying for, folks. That's another reason why maybe I've been going away from the decisions and the overs because I've been getting burnt so much on that side of things. Whether it's a close decision, I could use some good juju, or I probably the fighter I was on outright won if you have an educated person who knows the sport looking at it. But hey, um, sometimes you get a weird angle in there. Sometimes you miss a strike. Um, or you just get a bad, you know, yes, you will get the occasional um, bad scorecard too, obviously, so. Sorry, long answer for that. Uh, Rob Grief. Look at that. Rob Rob Grief. Rob G. DT and Luke. New level. New level, indeed. That's right. Um, Thomas Kane. Line too wide. Uh, simple bet. Smith small play. Good luck to you. I agree the line's too wide. I'm, me and Luke seem to be picking on the other side, but, you know, I don't I don't hate anybody taking a small stab. RJ Birdle. I got another reference for you, Dan. Bisping versus Miller. Both used dipping jabs on each other. With Bisping catching on the reverse collar tie. I got to rewatch that fight. I remember picking Bisping but rooting hard for my guy, Dan Miller, man. Jersey, Jersey. Rebel, Rebel. Uh, Krombopolis, do you guys remember Perez headlining a pay-per-view against Figgy? Because not many people remember. You're right. Yeah, it seems like so much has happened from that. Richard Marquez, is this pay-per-view worse than a fight night card? Yeah, we talked about that. Nunez, uh, A, Nunez has the power on the feet. Wrestling advantage of cardio is decent. She just has the tools to win this fight 9 out of 10. We will see. Esther Liu, hello, Dan. Would you ever consider going to Bangtao MMA Thailand to train? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, she's, uh, sorry, I was answering prematurely. They also say, Whaley has said she loves it there. And the Hickman brothers, Volkanovsky and Tai Tuivasa is there too. I would love to go to Thailand for a vacation with my girl and then sneak in my part of the vacation, which is training. Uh, that would be definitely be fun. Also, Ji Young Kim has been training there. Ooh, good to know. We're about to do a speed roll through these prelims. We'll get to that fight. Um, and he says, would you give her an edge since she's been sparring with Wei Li? She's been sparring with Wei Li. I don't know. That could be a good thing. It probably is. But, you know, maybe she's just getting beat up by Wei Li, right? Um, so I, I never try to look too into those things. But we'll talk about these things here in a quick minute. Uh, last two, Lightning Sworn. Do you know why champions drop off so hard when they lose? I don't know, but we named a good sample. So it's something for you guys to keep in mind and thinking about going forward. Mark or Brad Tazchuk, he wasn't smart enough to stay out of the Bermuda Triangle. Bear Jew, baby. Bermuda Triangle. I love that wordplay. You are the best at that. All right. Speed roll through the prelims. We got Alex Morono plus 135. Matthew Semmelsberger. Fantasy Jewish Fight League, baby. Uh, minus 155 for Semmelsberger. He's the favorite? I guess I was leaning toward Morono to tip my hat. I haven't researched this fight yet. One of the few uh, that I want to research on the prelims. What do you think of this, Luke? Yeah, this is actually my first underdog bet of the card. I am on Woo. Mr. Morono at uh, plus 140 here personally. Okay. Um, yeah, just kind of kind of breeze through it here. Honestly, I just it's almost it's one of those spots where I just don't think Summelsberger's proven enough to me that he deserves to be like a 60% implied plus favorite over a guy like Morono who's been around forever. He's battle tested. 
you know, not the greatest athlete in the world necessarily. His style's, you know, a little herky-jerky in a lot of ways, but he, he's one of those guys that has just always made it work for him. You know he's got 15 minutes of cardio. He's going to push a consistent pace. He's going to go forward. And, you know, if, if, if you can't play in that realm with him, he's going to go out there. He's going to beat a lot of guys in doing so. And the, the concern I have for Moroni here is the power uh, of Semmelsberger. I do think Semmelsberger is a bit better of an athlete, um, probably a bit stronger. He obviously hits a bit harder. We know uh, Morona has been dinged a couple times too. Um, I would like Morono to obviously implement his grappling a, a little bit more. You know, he's always got that black belt in the back of his pocket, but that's always kind of been the issue with Morono too. You can't really trust him to go out and offensively wrestle, even though I think that is actually a viable path for him in this fight, despite Semmelsberger actually coming off a win over Fletcher where wrestling was a significant component, but he also got, at least in regards to Semmelsberger, he did lose the first round via wrestling to AJ Fletcher in the margins. He won that fight by were razor, razor, razor thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. That needs to really be noted. Um, yeah, I, I just ultimately I, I think Morono's being a bit disrespected here, and I think he should probably be like the fight. It should probably be like a pick to maybe Morono slightly favored, in my opinion. Uh, I'll just make it quick here because I didn't research it, and I want to do my due diligence before I pull a trigger. So keep that in mind for anybody that is tailing me, which you're crazy at this point because I've been fucking cold as shit. Uh, but I, I, I will say I, I don't disagree with anything that Luke just said, and I'll just add that you know again speaking to. Uh, an angle that I've been getting burned on for going against, God forbid, again, um, you know, well, maybe not more experienced fighters. That's something I always tend to do, and I'm still been getting burned on. But you got the more experienced fighter here, right, in Morono. And, again, it's the fighter who, over the long haul, is going to have more volume, more ways to win, more experience to find that a good corner, safe side to keep him on track. He's got the hometown crowd, all these little little checkboxes as well. Um, and, and, and again, he just has to avoid getting knocked out early. He's kind of like a Julian Arosa where, you know, he's always going to be suspect of that early knockout, right? And perhaps that's why he's getting disrespected here on the line. But, um, but yeah, he opened, you're getting value too. Cause he opened at a, it's opened at a pick and price. And, uh, yeah, maybe I fade the public here and maybe I split up my two dog shots. Uh, uh, and I throw a little down here on Morona. We'll see anything else to add to that before we push on. Uh, I guess the the last thing I'll say, at least in regards to the power of Semmelsberger, I'm not saying he doesn't have power. He obviously does. Uh, but you do have to look at the two guys he did knock out in the UFC. He knocked out Jason Witt, who he knows durability is highly questionable yeah. at this point. And then he knocked out Martin Sano. And the only reason Martin Sano was in the UFC was based on him being you know, buddies with Nick and Nate Diaz. So I'm just saying those are the two guys that he's clocked in the UFC today. Yep. Um, outside of blind betting somebody by sub lower on the card, the only fight I care about on the prelims really is next. Drew Dober minus 175. Rafael Alves plus 150. Again, I haven't researched this one yet, but I'm, I'm looking at Dober. I know Alves is going to be live and have scary moments throughout the entire fight for as long as he's there. Um, but, I, I, you know, either he's going to be the athletic cheater that he is and, and, and ruin your night if you back Dober. Or um, he's going to, you know, do some cool stuff like he can do, but be kind of overinflated and formless like me and many analysts think he kind of is. And this is going to scare you for your money. He might make it as tight as the line or even somehow tighter than what it's listed. But I got Dober all day here. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm kind of there as well. Um, I do think Dober's just more proven, especially over the course of 15 minutes. I think his pacing is a bit more consistent. So I would have to favor Dober probably more minute to minute. But at the end of the day, he's kind of – he just said in his media day, you know, as well, that he doesn't, like, overtly care about a title, and he's a guy who just wants to go out there and put on fun fights. 
and where from our fan cap is is nice from a right. gambling perspective you have to take that into consideration when you're laying moderate chalk on those people who are trying to fight to entertain. I'm not saying he's not trying to fight to win, but, you know, there's a lot of guys out there in the past who they want to go out there and get fight of the night. You know, as long as, you know, they can still stick around, they don't necessarily care if their record's, you know, 50-50 in the UFC or whatever because they're going out there and winning these bonuses. And the thing I will say with Dober, you know, despite his durability being good historically, he's gotten dinged bad in his last two fights against uh, both Riddell and McKinney, this Alves dude is is an explosive guy as well. Outside of being, you know, a pretty dangerous uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu, you know, he can jump on guys' uh, necks pretty quick with his guillotines, rear naked chokes. We know that the 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 defensive grappling has been an issue for Drew Dober over the years. Um, so I understand honestly all this movement towards Alves. If I was to play him, I'd be more inclined to just take him inside the distance though, because I don't necessarily know if I trust him over the course of 15 minutes. But my preferred option on this fight is actually just the under two and a half. Um, I got that at minus 160. It's taken a bit uh, of money on different places now. But I, I just think the fight's going to be a car crash that has three or four finish boxes checked. So uh, to take take out the variance of who gets the better of it and, ju- and just give me violence. I know what you mean. Although, for and I don't want to say this and jinx it, but for whatever reason, it's giving me those... Uh... Jai Herbert, uh, fucking whatever the the letdown spot was, because it's like this is this is all violence going in, and part of me is like, what if they just fucking do 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 that that cheeky move from last week? Hopefully not, because I, I I I agree with that analysis. Um, I lied. There's actually two blind bet subs I might want to do, and this next one, uh, maybe tailing my guy. Shout out to Clint McLean, Dante Mays minus one ninety, Hamdi Abdel Wahab who apparently is part of, you know, fought in the Jorge Masvidal uh, MMA bare-knuckle promotion. I didn't research this fight clearly. I just saw my guy, Clint. Uh, and I, I, I try not to look at the place, but if I do, you guys know I always give people credit when it's due. I probably shout more things in more places than I should and more than other shows. So I don't think anybody's giving me shit there. But uh, I got to give my guy some love, uh, especially if it hits. It's just, Again, it, it's a stupid number. I, I say this all the time. Um, it, it's a stupid number for a heavyweight submission, and like those are the, those are the things that like I like. If I'm gonna bet like these really high volatile fights, I'm probably just gonna go degen, play, do something small, you know, with a big payout if anything. But uh, I I don't know if I'd be laying the chalk on Dante Mays. Maybe I'll feel different once I look at the tape. Do you have any strong feelings about this fight, Luke? Yeah, I was an early mover on it. I grabbed Maze at minus one forty. He's kind of oh, okay. looking like minus, minus one eighty, minus one ninety market wide now. Um, the the thing with this Abdel Wahab guy, um, Olympic wrestler out of Egypt. So on paper, the the credentials look good, but if you go back and watch the tape, it's just not pretty. <laughs> I mean, the the strength of competition that this guy has fought, I mean, is remarkably low. I try not to be disrespectful or anything, but right. I mean, the guys he's fighting just have no business even being in a cage, right? So it's one of those scenarios where I've had a lot of issues with the game of Dante Mays over the years, but I think he's shown some pretty clear improvements in recent years specifically. Homeboy actually did just get his BJJ purple belt yep. to, to enhance, enhance your, uh, your sub angle. Honestly, I don't hate it. I think it is possible, right? It's still kind of lower-ish percentage, right? But... This guy's gas tank in regards to Abdel Wahab really isn't good. We haven't seen him face really much striking resistance at all. I could see Dantel, you know, going out there, clubbing him, jumping on his neck, or 
you know, this guy is exhausted after four to five minutes and Dantel locks up some something from the front headlock or something like that. I think those I think it's possible. My take in and more so than me having like a supreme degree of confidence in Mays overall, it's more so of a fade into this other guy. It's like sure, prove yeah, to me that yeah. you prove to me that you deserve to be competitive competitively lined with an established UFC fighter at the end of the day. So. Fair. Fair enough. Uh we got next fight, Dracar close minus two ten. Rafa Garcia, or my guy Brad Taschuk says, half a Garcia, uh, <laughs> half a Garcia, plus 180 uh, coming back on him. Uh, this feels like close all day, even potential parlay piece, um, you know, uh, from from what I remember from both of these guys' games. But again, I didn't look into this fight. I have no plays here. Luke, do you have any, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think the line is directionally correct and, and probably more so right, in my opinion. Um the problem with close is that he can fight close. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, totally. Just yeah. His, his his defense isn't great. You know, at, at least in regards to the his takedown defense, largely is pretty good. But it's when he's gotten taken down, he's gotten put in some really bad spots. Like uh, Christos Yagos mounted him. I think Bobby Green mounted him. We saw Dariush obviously backpack him for like four minutes. To his yep. defense. He's gotten out of all of these really shitty positions every single time from some pretty decent guys on top of him. Yeah. Or at least in regards to Dariush, he wasn't able to get yes. out of the position. But he defended for four minutes with Benny Dariush on your back. Benny Dariush subs like 95% of the guys in that exact same scenario sure. in that division. So yeah. to me, close close got some good submission defense, right? And, and the big talking point for me on this fight is that Garcia's coming into this one on short notice. And we know that the gas tank of Garcia historically has not been picture perfect. We obviously saw him slow down in his short notice debut against Hack Press. Um, we saw him cardio dump bad against Chris Grutzmacher. So, and a guy in close who pushes a pretty consistent pace, um, where despite being in more competitive affairs, his optics are always very good. He's the guy who's going forward, who's landing the bigger strikes. That's why he's, you know, getting the nod. Even in his fight with like Bobby Green, where he got technically outlanded by like 40 significant strikes, right. he still won the fight, primarily based on optics. And we know Bobby kind of decides to, you know, fuck around <laughs> at points in his fights at times. But point is that I think I think it's a decent spot for close, especially with the short notice nature for Garcia. I think he probably could have some wrestling success on close, but I I, I doubt he's going to be able to hold close down uh extended at least enough to to win two rounds of this fight so um yeah i think like a general anti-violence is decent i'd probably rather buy down take close by points uh right around evens maybe look just look to the over two and a half uh in general because that's what i will say about both these guys both these guys are are, are incredibly tough I, i'm yeah. usually a little bit more skeptical about like anti-violence like decision overs if there is a short notice in a cardio dynamic but the one thing with garcia is despite him getting tired I would classify him as an effective gasser in the yeah. sense that he's going to still do things like he doesn't just shut down when he is tired. And the guy we know is, you know, got that uh, Mexican tough chin, dude. Guy's just durable as all hell. Um, and has never been finished in his pro career too. So yeah, I, I'd probably look at and, and cut the price down a little bit and take uh, close by points. Don't disagree with that. Yeah, and I, I feel sketchy about methods for the reasons you said. Um, next fight, this was on, not on my bio sheet. I don't know if this was added later or whatnot. Uh, Michael Morales, minus 600. Always reminds me of one of those iterations of Spider-Man, but I'm old and I'm a boomer, and I know you guys have corrected me on that before, uh, versus Adam Fugit, Fugit, plus 450. I know nothing on these guys, man. I'm going to pick Morales because of what I've seen from him. Uh, do you know anything about Adam, this matchup? 
Yeah, this is one, honestly, I didn't do much into just because Fudget only has, like, Fudget, fu- we'll go Fug It. No, that was, fug <laughs> it. Yeah. He's only got one uh, one fight in, like, the last three or so years where, it, you know, it was a, a early knockout against Solomon Renfro. And prior to that, you know, I really was not familiar with this guy at all and just in terms of, like, my general handicapping and, and process. Like, if I don't know or I'm not familiar with somebody, I want like a very, very recent sample uh, of footage from them to have a truly good gauge of where they're at. Um, otherwise, just because I think there's, you know, you're playing with a little bit of fire from from potential improvements, regressions, you know, things like that that are that are just a bit unknown. So that's the main reason why uh, I, I didn't go I didn't go much uh, or, or that much heavy into this one. Also, obviously, it's a, a short notice fight um, for Fugit as well. So that throws another wrinkle of variance. I do like what I've seen from this Morales kid overall, though. I think he, like, trained with the Ecuadorian, you know, national wrestling team or something. I know it's Ecuadorian national wrestling, but still, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's better than nothing in a guy that many people classify as a striker. I think he has a strong judo background as well. Only 23 years old. I just, everything I've seen from the kid so far looks like, you know, he, he's got a decent ceiling uh, in the UFC. So, yeah, I, I think him being a, a sizable favorite uh, most likely makes sense, but this, this fuck it guy, you know, he can, he can grapple. Um, he's, he's not a bomb. He's, he's got some pop in his hands too. So, um, yeah, I mean, Morales going to have to mind his P's and Q's here with him for sure. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a difficult proposition for, for fuck it at the same time. All right. Odds would indicate. So I'm staying away. Uh, Gian Kim opened the favorite. She's now plus 100. The line seems to be fighting around there. I imagine is where it will stay fighting. Jocelyn Edwards minus 120. Um, hearts with Korea, but I, I, I'm leaning toward Edwards here just because she can change things up, uh, and get takedowns. Even if Kim has an argument to have won the fight, um, you know, we saw Cashueta kind of steal the impression. Although I did make an argument she did better than given credit for, and I could see why the judges, uh, perhaps, you know, were swayed that way on certain rounds. Some rounds, maybe not, not as much. Um, but, and I hate to use that word explosive, but like... Jocelyn Edwards kind of has that uh, has a bit of that about her, whether she's on the ground or striking on the feet, and we know that can sway judges. Even if she's not necessarily being the more effective fighter, she's more dynamic. That could sway the judges. It's WMA, very volatile when it goes to the judges, and it's WMA in Texas. Sharp people I know uh, teasing the Kim by TKO. You know, I know she's only won two of her nine wins in MMA by TKO, and Jocelyn Edwards has never been TKO'd. But in those people's defense. If you go like to her boxing record, I think she boxed six times. As there's like six wins, three of those are by knockout. Kickboxing, she has twelve wins, six of those by knockout. So like in striking arts, she's like knocking out half of her wins. Not so much in MMA, so I'm not too confident. I'll be very happy if that happens or if or if Kim wins. But uh, I'm I'm leaning toward Edwards. That's that's all I got here. Uh, anything on this one, Luke? Yeah, I, I think the main talking point, you know, WMMA in Texas, it's a fight that I personally think is close, um, and you're not seeing any big plus number next to either girl's name. So just based on that, I have absolutely no interest from uh, a picking perspective. I'm actually going to uh, go the other way. Um, I am going to go with Kim just because I think her boxing, her mechanics are, are just a bit better. I know her striking accuracy isn't great, but the chick's going to throw a ridiculous amount of strikes. We know that the chick can get hit in the head with a frying pan and still keep coming forward. Like, the girl's just all-world durable. I personally thought she won the cash wear a fight. Um, I think there's honestly an argument she beat McCann, 
but she honestly the, the 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 component of her losing both of those fights was optics that's what makes me nervous and why i can't uh outside of you know mma and or wmma in texas narrative but um that's why i can't really get behind the kim side because she does tend to go backwards uh a lot in her fights but i also can't unsee the recent fight for jocelyn edwards where you know she won a somewhat comfortable decision but she just kind of stood on the outside and like kind of just threw a bunch of empty kicks and Pasquale just didn't have the the striking capabilities to really close close distance close range but she also actually significantly hurt uh, Jocelyn Edwards in the in the first round of that fight to the body as well which I think needs to be noted um, I'm just not a big fan of Jocelyn Edwards personally um, I think the girl's just incredibly green her defense you know lacks She's not very consistent to wrestle. I think she's only a white belt on paper in jiu-jitsu. So I don't know, man. I, I think it's a lower-ish level WMA fight that has a ridiculous amount of variance. I'm more so picking Kim just based on the pretense that she's got the plus money uh, or plus number next to her name. And I think I think the slightly better boxing. I don't hate that at all. Next fight, Nikolai Nigamarianu, minus 115, uh, minus 105 with the comeback uh, on Ihor Poteria, who I'm looking up on my grading the winners to see what I – what I gave this guy, um, uh, but uh, do you have any strong thoughts on this? Will I do that? Um, no, honestly not. This is another fight that there's a ton of question marks on. Lines completely flipped, though. Pretty much the whole market is on Nega Mariano this week, and I do agree, though, more so in just the sense that this Porturia guy contender series alum, but honestly just kind of a, a regional can crusher. You know, four of his 20 wins have uh, only come over I'm sorry, of his 20 wins, only four of them have come over guys with over 500 records. Um, so a little bit sketchy in that department. Um, I've seen him taken down by not the best of guys. I think his defense is largely an afterthought. Pretty potent offensively in terms of going forward. I don't think he's the most technical party in the world, though. My thing with Nega Mariano is that I don't think he's very good either, but he's at least been in the UFC for a second now. He's shown he can go a hard 15 minutes. You know he's tough. He's durable. Uh, if you go back and watch that Safarov fight, I mean, he got his ass whooped by Safarov. And, you know, short notice debut is what it is. I mean, a lot of guys would have probably quit in multiple spots that he was put in that fight, and he didn't. Um, and, yeah, we've seen him, you know, get, you know, win extended fights, albeit incredibly greasy. I do think he lost the the Ncheku fight. Yeah, um, me personally. too. I thought that you I thought that, it, well, I should say it either should have been a draw or it should have been uh, Kennedy, but he got a gift there. Point being is a lot of question marks on this guy, you know, extended when he's not going out there and and just kind of beating a bunch of cab drivers. I, I want to see him face face a little bit more adversity uh, against a battle-tested uh, guy, and I think Nigger Mariano um, might be able to answer some more questions. So I think if you got in on plus money on Nigger Mariano, I think, uh, I think you made a decent bet. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to say. I'm going to go with Nikolai as well. Not because he's training at Extreme Couture, but like you said, uh, he's been in the UFC. And again, you know, he had suspect early on record too, but being in a room with actual fighters for multiple camps now and actually being in the UFC fighting there, that'll weed a lot of that out. He did get a gift of the decision against the Southpaw. So he's technically 1-0 against Southpaws. He's got another Southpaw in Ehor. Um, but uh, I'm sure there's some uh, some decent southpaws down there to train with, including Ankalaev as well. So um, who does a little bit of time there? So yeah, I'll go with Nigamarianu next. Blood and the, and the last Sorry, thing, and the last thing, real quick too, Dan. I just want to reference at least with like the contender series angle. I mean, these guys and girls that come in off the contender series, making their debuts, 
are often often very overpriced. They're just oh, they're absolutely. just overvalued. There's yep. a ton of recency bias. I'm not saying that's a black and white statement. I'm saying in like a vacuum though, you probably want to either pass or go the other way. Yeah, I don't think you really want to put yourself in a scenario of, of laying a lot of juice on on these contender series debutants because long term, um, it's not a profitable angle. Yeah, except for me, because when I fade contender series hype jobs, I always uh end up on the wrong side. Granted, it's usually <laughs> granted it's usually Barber, Maverick, Maximoff, Puna. Um, this one wasn't wasn't too bad actually, but but Hobo Cop and uh, Arm. Arm and hurt too, so uh, I. But you're absolutely right. Even though I, I tend to kind of have bad, bad luck and bounces there. Blood Diamond plus 155. Orion Koski finally making his comeback off Contender Series. This is a guy I was high on. I gave him an A plus. Uh, Ehor, I gave like an A, but that was like a because I have to because he got a first round finish and got signed. That's the point of the show, even though it doesn't tell us much. But I reserve the A pluses for people that actually fucking show me something. And uh, Orion Koski did. Um, I didn't go back to look at this fight. The layoff is troublesome, but from what we saw at Blood Diamond, doesn't look like he has much of a ground game. Koski is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He actually has wrestling experience, both high school and collegiate, though he didn't finish college. Kind of rough, like with his brother. I know they had a kind of a weird upbringing as far as that goes. Maybe not the opportunity to be a collegiate level wrestler. So for that, I almost just want to blind bet the submission here. But Koski is a guy who will just like punch away uh, if a submission's not there, and he'll just take the stoppage that way. He's got the gas tank and the scrambling to do so. So that kind of worries me. Maybe I take a smaller number inside the distance and then just don't, you know, set it and forget it. But I didn't look at this fight, so so uh, I just but I just might like blind bet him by sub and Dontel Mays. Any thoughts on this before we get out of here, Luke? Yeah, I would probably just look him inside the distance because to your point, it's it's kind of one of those spots where it's like you're 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 kind of trying to play, you know, clinical psychologist of which route yeah. he potentially takes yeah. because to your point, I think he does have very clear and evident advantages on the ground. Now, granted, I would still rate Jeremiah Wells as a better wrestler grappler sure. than Kosi. Personally, sure. I think many other people would as well. But yeah. it is the 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 sample that we have, albeit it's small. It is the sample that we have where, yeah, he did not look very good on bottom. Kosi's pretty reliable to shoot takedowns. And honestly, despite this, you know, you know this Blood Diamond guy having over allegedly over a hundred kickboxing fights the times i've seen him at space like he's i don't think his striking's very good to be honest it, it seems a uh, not not very processed he's like spinning he's turning away from shots his feet don't really seem uh completely under him granted we're, we have to go back to to some older fights so right. he could have gotten a lot better but it's also um He's 34 too. I mean, we're, we're not talking about you know a, a spring chicken. We're talking about a, a guy who's three and one and 34 uh, years old. So, I think it's a decent spot for Kosi. My concern is, uh, which is what happened in the Phil Rowe fight, where you know he had a really strong start, wrestled Phil Rowe into oblivion, and then he completely death gassed in the second, yeah. and then got knocked out. But it's yeah. ironic because he also has multiple third round finishes, and we saw on the Contender series where he actually struggled early. Yeah. He came back out there and had the better gas tank in one rounds two and three. So that's where like my hesitation, I would say, or, or I should tell people to like maybe proceed with a little bit of caution. Sure. If you're laying, you know, moderate chalk because yeah, that Phil Rowe fight was, maybe it was an anomaly, but maybe it wasn't like, like, I don't know. Like I said, I've seen him look good extended in certain contests and that Phil Rowe fight. It was like, Oh man. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I do think he's the, clearly the side, though, with um, uh, specifically with the advantages on the floor here. 
All right, before I recap my picks, and I don't have any official plays, but what I'm looking at, I'm just going to clean up the chat, and then we'll get out of here with our last plugs. Thanks for staying. I know it was a long show, folks. Thank you, Luke, for being such a great co-host. Uh, Mark Fellows, pumped for this pay-per-view main card. I foresee five serves of quality violence. You know what? This could be a main card where, like, you shouldn't be surprised if you go 0-5 in your picks kind of a deal. Of course you won't unless your name's Dan Tom. You should be okay. But this is also, I think it's a deceptively, a deceptive card. Maybe not the ankle eye of Smith so much with the odds and the, the matchup. But other than that, like, I could totally see some volatility across the board, to be honest. Um, James Young. My guy, James. Uh, like and share, y'all. Dan needs to blow up. Appreciate it. Yeah, like the video. Uh, you can come like it past tense if you're listening to audio. Just go to YouTube, Daniel Tom MMA. You can find me. Or if you are on the audio version, Apple Podcast, the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Also, check out the Club and Sub Podcast. I'm going to give my guy Luke here a chance to plug his stuff, uh, which is really good. But, yeah, go check that out as well. James Young says, Kim Autofade, and I'm Korean too. Judges hate her. You know what? They do hate her. And you are you, you, you are uh, my, my Korean brother over there uh, for what that's worth. Bernie Bart Bartleby Jansen. Why do fighters and coaches say they are in the best shape of their lives? Because what else are you going to say, right? Like, what else are you going <laughs> to yeah. say? Um, Mark Fellows, fuck it. Give me fuck it by KO. <laughs> do it, Mark. <laughs> do it. Do it. The devil's on your shoulder on that one. Do it. Do it. PJ Manns. Dan, what's your beef with Adesanya? I'm not an Adesanya fan, but I saw you blasting him in past podcasts. I don't know if I've ever blasted him. The only thing I've ever gone hard on Adesanya is, like, the hardest I've gone on Adesanya is him not enjoying his own goddamn moments, whether it was recently because he got unfair criticism because I was actually someone defending his performance, by the way, when the whole world was trashing him. I was defending him. The only thing I give him crap for is the chip on his shoulder, which kind of like the, the, I'm in the best shape of my life, like, it's unfair to give anyone crap because, of course, they're going to say they're in the best shape of their life. Of course, fighters are going to have chips on their shoulder. I am a person who overly makes the chips on my shoulder much bigger than they actually are. Um, how could I, with a straight face, uh, hate uh, Adesanya for that? No, but but to be fair, yeah, I, I've given him some crap about it just because I want the guy to enjoy his own moments, you know? You know, it's like, dude, we already know you had knockout power. Like, you're getting the belt put on you. And you're like, see, who's getting now? Who's the belt? Who did it? It's like, just, just fucking enjoy the moment. Do you really want to be, like, pissed off talking shit when, like, you've got your family, you've got the belt? Like, let, let's let's focus on the good things. Like, that that's all I say with Izzy. Um, I, I've actually defended him a lot, uh, especially a lot of the stuff that people go at him for. But, uh, but, yeah, I apologize if it seems like I was unfairly blasting the guy. James Young, explosive is the new N-word. That's why I don't like to use explosive. There's certain things, you know. There's, like, this, this built-in uh, built racism. Like, we never say we're going down to the Hamptons. We all say we're going up to the Hamptons, right? We never say we're going up to Compton. We all say we're going down to Compton. Why is that? I'm not saying everything's, you know, racist. I'm just saying there's, there's a bit of that built in, you know. There's a bit of that built in. Uh, that's why I kind of get weird with the explosive word. It's a commentator's crutch, too. And uh, if I get a shot to do that stuff, uh, I'm going to try not to, to, to lean into that and actually talk about their skill. Um, but, yeah. James Young, don't bet Kim just buy a bag of weed. Better investment. I, I like that. That's probably the best thing James James Young's uh, uh, asked. Hey, Die Hard MMA Podcast. What's up, boys? What's up, Clint? We gave you some shouts earlier, my guy. I look forward to seeing what you're on with your post-weigh-in post show. Um, Mark Schillenberg, just seen you guys. We're live. I'm going to head back. To start the soak for a difficult card, uh, soak in a full card, like 
smashed. Thanks for oh, like smashed. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the hard work and content. You're more than welcome. Hopefully, it can be like correct content. Uh, we can get back to that. I'll feel a little better about what I'm giving you guys in that sense. Clint just wrapped up the total takedown. Shouts to Clint. Thanks for watching, Mark. PJ Mans, what do you mean not enjoying his performance? Is how he celebrated enjoying himself? Uh, no, just when celebrating is fine. Like celebrate all you want. I'm just talking about him just like constantly with his interviews, post-fight interviews, direct post-fight interviews. There's a plethora of this example. I'm not making it out of thin air. I'm not, I don't, it's not like I'm saying the guy sucks or this or the. I'm just saying, you know, maybe don't listen to the haters as much and enjoy yourself. I don't really think that's a, is that a controversial thing I'm saying here, Luke? Am I coming across wrong? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I got you. I don't know. I, I feel like whether myself or other cap, I feel like there's plenty of other examples of like actual hating on a fighter that I have been guilty of myself. I'm not above it. Believe me. I just, I'm just trying to, I just hope I'm not coming off wrong here. I don't want to be un, unfairly accused of that if I'm not in fact hating. Um, so just to get that straight. All right. Recapping picks and plays. It's been long enough. Thank you guys for joining the live chat. All right. I am taking Pena over Nunes. All right. I'm taking Moreno over Cara France. I'm taking Pavlovich over Lewis. I'm taking Perez over Pantoja. Tear in my eye because I fucking love both these guys. Um, and I, uh, I'm taking Ankolaev over Smith, more than likely. More than likely taking Morono over Semmelsberger. Taking Dober over Alves. Mays over Abdel Wahab. Close over Garcia. Morales over Fugget. Edwards over Kim, although hearts with Kim. Anybody betting the dog there? Taking Koske over Blood Diamond and Negamarianu over Poteria. Thinking about playing Koski inside, thinking about sprinkling uh, Maze by sub to tail my guy Clint uh, for fun there. Um, looking at playing Perez, perhaps a little bit on the money line now, not getting too cute with it. Perhaps a little bit of Morono on the money line, nothing crazy, not getting too cute with it. Um, again, with, with decisions and the WMMA or the flyweights, Making me nervous off that Moreno, but I may sprinkle on that Pena, especially if I can find that plus 1,000 somewhere. I'll settle for a plus 900. I'm not putting a lot by it, but it's TKO. Uh, I guess that's where I could be getting cute with my long shot. Any last words, Luke, uh, and plugs, please plug where they can find you, your Patreon, your Twitter, your podcast, all the good stuff, Luke. Yeah, dude, once again, thanks for having me on. Uh, Long-time listener of the Protecting It podcast. I think you do some really great work, great breakdowns, so I love jumping on with other people in the in the space and uh and, and hearing other people's opinions on the fight so really appreciate it bro uh from a plugging perspective patreon.com slash swr betting uh you guys can find all of my bets there obviously i gave quite a few of them out on the show obviously today getting some good clv you know on a lot of these as well that's kind of one of the the big perks uh of it is kind of beating beating the line moves uh we we tend to do that pretty consistently over on the patreon also lots of content up there full card breakdowns usually anywhere between 12 to 15,000 words for all these cards, so pretty in-depth analysis there. Uh, I also put out a parlay article and a prop article as well. So not only are you getting my plays, you are getting um, actual analysis with them. Um, so if that is something you guys are interested in, I would love to have you guys on board. Uh, Twitter, SWR underscore betting as well. Uh, that's primarily where I'm active. You know, I like to have a little fun on there, post some fun stuff, interact with people. So uh, be over there. Uh, be able to be sure to head over to Twitter and uh, shoot me a follow if you guys don't already. Uh, last plug, Club and Sub podcast, uh, me and a round table and my boys every single Wednesday night breaking down these fights, uh, I believe at 10 p.m. Eastern as well. We just actually had our 100th episode 
a couple weeks ago. So, nice. So grinding through it, super fun time. Um, yeah, yeah, I again, dude, I appreciate you having me on. One hundred's a big deal, man. Congrats on that, and thank you for coming on, man. I've been meaning to have you on for a minute. Uh, as my guests know as well, I'm bad at getting guests on. It's really, it's really tough. As it sucks, there's a lot of good people like yourself who I talk to and plan to get on, and you guys are like on this long waiting list, and it feels like I'm flaking. So I, I appreciate you so much. You're the man. I love that you actually, you know, you show your work, you add the analysis, you offer the free stuff as well, my man. Just keep doing you. Keep doing good because you're doing uh, good, and you're, you're, you just seem like a genuinely cool dude, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, lastly, just at the PYM podcast on all social feeds, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com for those click-throughs, Amazon on it, PayPal donations, at Dan Tom MMA. You can find me at SRSWR underscore betting, as you can find him, as you can see, for the YouTube channel. Uh, PJ, no disrespect taken, my man. Thank you for commenting. Same with you, Grateful Dude, Mark Fellows, James Young, all the rest. Much love. Good luck in your picks and plays, and always protect your next.